0: Swing and a miss, Beasley strikes it up.
1: Harper strikes out. The Blue Jays will strand two more Phillies on base, and they hang on to win it 10-8, and the Blue Jays
0: win the series. Greenway holding the puck in the office, It gets in front, Eriksonek shoots, he scores! Eriksonek in overtime at 3.20, and Minnesota wins
2: game one. Ajo, to Palmieri, right of a Pittsburgh net shoot,
3: he scores! Up ice. Here's a breakaway. Brandon pointed alone. Backhand shot. Brandon Point. Brandon Point. Five-four lightning! with 114 left to go.
0: He's drinking his tea. It's Mike ass
4: Oh, Mike Zagamatis.
0: Happy Monday morning.
5: I can't <laughs> remember I just, last year in the bubble. <laughs> the the playoff goals were. We? I feel like we were doing that. I feel like we had him on every single day, replaying one of his you, goal calls.
0: You started, well, that's Dave Mishkin, the Tampa Bay guy. Yeah, I think it was Chris yeah. King, the Islanders guy, in the montage before that. you don't reached a point where you were running Mishkin stuff, even when it was sort of half assed, just because you wanted to see the look on my face.
5: I'm surprised Chris King and in, in the, uh, you know, on the Island. I, I, <laughs> I love the calls. I love when they get into it. I love when It gets a little anim. I mean, when you're calling a game, you have to get animated. You have to get your arms going. Um, You know, I, whether it's, okay. I, I feel like, I feel like if you're on, if you're doing the game on radio, you probably, if you're doing play-by-play, you got to get into it a little bit more than you're on TV because you never know when they're going to show you on the broadcast. Okay. But part. you're saying,
0: you're saying get animated. Is oh, this, yeah. is this, is this animated enough for, for you? He
2: Kyle
3: Palmeri, second in the game.
5: That's when I'll tell you what that, that is. That is when you decide to change a different when you try to go up a whole different level a whole different octave and it's just like you can't find and you can't find what you're you're trying to go with it it's Um, like when
0: you're on stage and suddenly you realize i can't sing opera oops
5: (laughs) (laughs) a little late for this yeah so that's uh yeah that could have got embarrassing for him but um yeah. That's like when you're trying to find that different octave and it's like, it's just, you, 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 you can't hit the note yeah. and then you take it to one more higher. Yeah. You can, you gotta be careful. You could lose your voice for the rest of the yeah, playoffs. It's like
0: when you plug in the toaster and take it into the bathtub. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, but, yeah, But it was it a was, hell it, of a day for, for the Stanley cup playoffs to really the first full day of action, right? I mean, we got Washington, Boston. Uh, the other night and and then a triple header yesterday and every game was an overtime game or a last shot wins game effectively because Tampa Bay scored with a little more than a minute left in the third period to beat Florida in game one and, and that might have been the capper that might have been the best of the three games and there was nothing to complain about with the Islanders in Pittsburgh and with Minnesota and Vegas well
5: I thought Calgary and Vancouver was up there for a that was goals, a one goal so was... game too <laughs> What a capper, I'm, I'm, baby! I honestly watching the. I, I did not watch the whole Calgary Vancouver yeah. game. Whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> Sorry, you I like said I it. did not watch the whole Calgary Vancouver game, which tells
0: me you watched some of it. What is wrong with you? Go to bed. No, I just, watch the just...
5: Jason Thirty. Watch the Blue Jays play again. You mean nobody watched the Calgary Vancouver game? I mean, this is like it's kind of crazy Watch that sixty they're playing. minutes. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that they're playing when the playoffs are on. I, you know what? I I feel I feel bad for Calgary and Vancouver. I'm sorry, but it's it's one thing to play in a game that doesn't mean anything, and you're just playing out the rest of the season. But I can't imagine playing a game while the playoffs are going. It's just I. Trying to get ready and go out there and play, I, I, I thought it looked like an, an AHL game, and that's I, I, that's disrespecting AHL games. I just it was. It was awful, and i I feel bad for the I feel bad for them out there. No, but hold on, um, a, hold
0: on a second. I still haven't gotten past what you yeah. said. Initially. Not not all of it. Not all of it. Just okay. The, well, the okay. High, we'll but the what, highlights. Okay. So you you said you <laughs> highlights, watched highlights. some of the game.
5: What, <laughs> highlights. I take it
0: back. <laughs> what did those two teams do, or did you think those two teams were going to do that you wanted to see to bring to the show this morning? I was
5: just. It was. I'm because sometimes I like to tune in when. Like has it ever I don't think it's happened before right uh I don't think the playoff game has played they've even gone to the no. playoffs with the regular season over I don't think it's even happened before like where they uh, two teams get a last game of the season canceled or postponed and they have to start it 4 or 5 days later no, nope. I was looking it up. I didn't see it anywhere. No,
0: because the season always ends on a Saturday or a Sunday, and they start and they yeah, yeah they start the playoffs like Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, yeah. something like that. So every team gets a couple of breather days, practice days, and then yeah, three then days go. you get.
5: Yeah, so I mean, it's it's tough on them. Uh, whatever, play them out. It, it, I mean, what what are they going to do? What's the NHL going to do? Say okay, we're not going to play our last couple games. You know, they have sponsors. There's the broadcast. It's it's. It's just, it's part of the league deal. They're going to play them out. I, I was, I'm just, it's tough for, it's tough. When I watch the highlights and you see that game, it's even harder than I imagine trying to go out there. It was already a tough year and now you're dealing with that, but it it was, it was an exciting weekend. You, You want playoff hockey and you want games that, that are interesting. You had it all, you know, you, you, you had it yesterday. You had a zero zero game into overtime with Minnesota and that puck going in like off, off D skate in front of the net, Martinez, um, you had overtimes. You had, you had everything. I thought the Tampa Bay, Florida game was going overtime. Like I flipped that one off. I didn't even, I had to go. I didn't see the goal till I like kind of give a little scroll. You know, I turned that one off. I was like, okay, this one's going to OT. Um, I'm sure this one's not, you know, this is not there. No, nothing's going to happen here in the last two minutes of the game. And then brain points on a, on a breakaway. What a going, pass going by Ryan long. McDonough. Yeah. But Ooh. that's, I mean, let me tell you, that's like, it's not a set play. I'll tell you this about it. That's like a John Cooper special because his teams and a guy that used to do it all the time was, was St. Louis. Like that's who used to do it. Um, he used to kind of blow the zone when a shot comes in from the point. So I'm not sure if that's something that got passed on in the organization or if that was like a I remember John Cooper's teams, even when he was in the minors with Norfolk, they would always so the the winger goes out towards the point, the shot comes in from the point. They don't stop because that's his, that's their like the defenseman is the responsibility of that winger going out. They blow the zone. And that's what point does in that situation. So he's, he's going out towards, I think, Weger. And instead of stopping, like you're supposed to do your defensive responsibilities, he keeps going out of the zone and yeah, great pass, great finish. Um, But they've used to do that. Like, so the, the
0: thought, the thought then is that if the offensive team secures the rebound and maintains possession,
5: you're in a little bit of trouble Well, or
0: yeah, because I'm trying to I'm trying to think of how you'd cover that off. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe there's a jam play at the net or two and and you as a winger wouldn't be involved, you'd have
5: time to get back, circle back. It's kind of it's like a, a, a full shot deal, right? It's a great yeah, it's a great play, but the problem is is that forwards are trained their whole life to go to the point, block the shot. If it gets past you, you finish your check or you stop and you go right back to back to your net. But instead, I love this play. And I've tried to get guys at UFT to do it, but you're, they're so trained to stop and be responsible. What are the odds on that defenseman getting the puck through to the net, and then them being a threat to score? the The chances are so small that I love a play like that from from your winger, where you just just keep going out, blow the zone. That I just think the, the chances of a breakaway in that situation, and for you to have an offensive opportunity yourself outweigh any kind of liability it creates. So, I mean, that game had that game had four lead changes, which has happened three times, you know, since 1932. We had the quarterfinals with the New York Americans and the Blackhawks. We had 1992 division semifinal Oilers five, LA eight. And then last time it happened was in 2018, the cup final, the Capitals in Vegas. So that game had four lead changes. I think that was the most exciting game of the playoffs so far. I I can't remember. That's the game of the year for me. Never mind so far in the playoffs. It's just only a couple days old. I think it's the best game of the year, the Tampa Bay uh you know Panther game. That was and that's a, a playoff game in Florida with two Florida teams. Like, Florida, can you believe it? We love Florida. <laughs> Give us seven games of that. Can you? Yeah. Yes. Can you, but that started at the, that's, but that whole, that all started with a couple games to go in the regular season. Like these teams got into it. There have been, there was lots of fights. They hate each well, other. Well yesterday, well, yesterday there was lots of scrums. I thought it was a physical game, couple borderline late hits. Like it was rough. I thought the, I thought the officiating was good. It kind of let them play, but kept it somewhat safe. And you mentioned uh, as well that the, the goal interference with, with Bennett. Um, yeah, we were talking we get...
0: about that off air. So we'll bring it on on the air. Yeah, I, yeah, I just yeah. I have a quick thought. You wanted to
5: say something before we get into before that. conversation? Before we get to that, Bennett with the Panthers. Can you like I always talk to you about players and the team you're on and the finding fits. the right line mates. Yeah. Can you recognize Bennett? On Florida, <laughs> like, and I think he's a great player. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I obviously know him, but I, I've never, I've never hung out with him. I don't really know him that well. He looks like he's one of the biggest threats on the Panthers to score. Um, he's still got playing with the edge, but he's in and around the net. He's on the power play playing in front of the net. He's setting up chances. He's getting odd man rushes. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's a... That's a situation where you have a guy in Calgary. It's not going well. The coaching staff, you just, you have, there's no kind of chemistry with any of the lines you're playing with and your team's not very good. And then you go to a team that's really good. I just, I don't even, it's, it's a different player. I'm sorry. Like, and he's I, been I knew tearing
0: him. it up since he got down there. He's I knew he was,
5: I know he was good, but did anybody think he was this good? And that's just, it's, I, I give some credit to him because he's, you know, he. it's tough when a situation doesn't work out. A team drafts you. You're supposed to be that first-round pick. You're supposed to turn the organization around. And it's not the right fit. And then, you know, that's a guy that worked hard, went into a new system. um, And obviously this year, totally different division and found a way to make it work. It's not easy either. Like, you go from a bad team, and then all of a sudden you're going to the Panthers, who are one of the best teams in the league. It's not as easy as you say, oh, well... They went to one of the player went to the best team. Of course, he's going to play with Barkov. Of course, he's going to be really good. It's not it's hubidor on the power play. Like it It sounds great. Oh, you're going to play with a better players and better team, but you still have to go out there and do it. And there's that little bit of adjustment that guys have to work with. And he looks incredible in yeah, Florida.
0: Think of the guys who've you know, Taylor Hall's another one in Boston. Got guys who just oh, yeah. changes the scenery. And they step up and, and they find their game. And, and Bennett's another guy who's looking to secure a long-term contract, yeah. Ziggy,
5: right? Yeah, yeah. You know? But but he, but, he, but the, the goal interference you were talking about. Okay, so on, let's, get into, let's it, get into this. Yeah. Let's get
0: into this. Let's get into this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this up right now. You may, you, you may feel whatever you feel about what you saw early in the game, the Florida power play, and then Tampa Bay came back, scored shorthanded after the goal was disallowed. I'm going to set it up this way. We're in overtime. Pick a game, Siggy. Not game one. Pick Pick a game later on. Game six. At the beautiful Bell Center in Montréal. Maybe game seven if the Leafs decide that it's worth scaring us. We're in overtime of a consequential game, Leafs and Habs. And thinking of a guy with a net front presence, I was going to pick Austin. but I'll pick John Tavares. John Tavares jams away at the puck and slides it past Carry Price in the exact same scenario that Sam Bennett pushed it past Andre Vasilevsky last night. And that goal is disallowed in that moment of that Leafs-Habs game. You're telling me, you and I have talked about this off the air, so I, I kind of know how you feel about it, but we'll, we'll set it all up. Mm-hmm, You're telling yeah. me. Because I think you're okay with the call. You're telling me that the next morning you would sit here on leadoff, Sportsnet five ninety, the fan, and and defend that call, costing the Maple Leafs an overtime game-winning goal in a consequential game in this series
5: against Montreal. It's goalie interference. I'm sorry. Oh. I know, and I, I'll, I, you know me. You know I, you know I don't. I call it the same, whether it's the Leafs or not. Suspensions, fines, goals. You know I don't go out of my the way. Puck Bad was loose. The puck was not The puck was loose, but if you look at the rule book, you're not allowed to move a goaltender off his position. The only thing when I went to watch the replay, and I, wa- I just watched it again right now, is... He moved. I thought Vasilevsky moves off the post. Like I thought he pushed off with his left leg. So Bennett's at the right side of of the net, and Vasilevsky's kind of got the post covered with his left leg. I thought he pushed off the post originally to play the puck in front of the crease, but he doesn't. He holds his ground, and Bennett actually like pushes the leg in. That's that, and that's the way I see it. The only thing where it they might not call it is if it's a one, if it, if a team's up by a goal and the goaltender's pulled, like say that's Florida down by a goal with 30 seconds. I'm wondering if the officials would call it a goal on the ice and then go up three play. Because you got to remember what the officiating does on the ice and not just the situation and all of these like, 50-50 plays, goalie interferences, high sticks. If the officiating calls them goals, then they have to go to, to replay and prove that the call on the ice wasn't accurate. So in a situation like that last night, there wasn't enough to overturn it. And I, I mean, I wouldn't. So you're, you're telling me if you were on the bench, you would have challenged that? Is that? Is that where you're going to go with that? Like, would you, have chal- ch- would you, would you have challenged the call on the ice for goaltender interference? Um, if, In a if if I, if if I, if were, if I you, would you, have, I would have challenged
0: it either way. If the call went against me, if, if you, the call on you, the ice was a goal and that went against me, I'd have, I, I think it's a worthwhile challenge. And no, if I'm the, saying, if I'm the saying, call is goaltender interference, no goal, and I'm the Florida
5: Panthers, I'm challenging it from their side. So Quinville you're Quinville you're gonna challenge yes. that and give Yes. It, give it a shot even if you can get a okay, yeah I'm just i'm i I don't think it's yeah I just I thought he moved him off like originally Vaslesky looked like he pushed off like if Vasleski moves his left leg at all there, I think they overturned that and you call it a goal the fact that he held his ground and he got turned he got spun kind of counterclockwise i I don't think he can i I don't think he can yeah I just I thought it was the right call I mean we will we're, we're gonna be disagreeing on a lot of calls um
0: I'm just I'm telling you right now I'm telling you right now game one first period Florida Tampa Bay is a totally different situation than Toronto Montreal overtime my my hypothetical situation Toronto Montreal overtime in an elimination game game five six seven something like that like yeah I That, that one would there, the conspiracy theorists would be out. We'd be getting some texts about Gary Bettman. We'd be getting some texts about sticking it to the Leafs. If, if the call went against the Leafs, there'd be Hab fans angry if it went against them.
5: But this play happened, this play happened with the Leafs a couple times. I think Thornton front of the net had a situation where he was banging away at a puck and he pushed the net in, but I feel like it happened against the Leafs where they didn't call. They they. I, yes. I'm, not, I'm not. I think Anderson was in net, or was it? I was it Campbell. I believe. Like I thought, it was in Montreal where they're banging away at a puck, and the call didn't go the Leafs' way. And I was just like, I remember going to Twitter. I was like, somebody please explain to me this, because Thornton just got the goal called back the night or two before. So yeah.
0: I just with Bennett. I didn't feel. I didn't feel like it was he pushed Vasilevsky off the post with... Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of whether it was the Thornton one or not because now I'm diving into my memory bank, which is always a dangerous thing to try to do live on the radio. But but the puck is jammed up against the pad and he's pushing the puck into the net by pushing the pad back into the net. I mean, that one was far more obvious to me. I I think
5: there's a lot of gray area in what went down. The the reason, and I know why... I, I understand why a lot of people thought it should be a goal. It's because it was almost like a follow-through. Like, the the last stick on Vasilevsky left pad, there was a motion to put the puck in the net, which moved the leg. I get it. Or that's where you're like, well, I'm going to shoot the puck. If I go to shoot the puck in the net and I hit the goaltender and he falls into the net, how is that not a goal? I I understand that, but... I don't know. I just, it's yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was the right call on the ice just from the plays I've seen this year. I was like, if you're in front of the net and you're jamming away at a puck and the goaltender falls in, people make the case that, well, why wouldn't that be a goal? You're in front of the net. The goaltender's holding his ground. Why can't you jam the, why can't you push the puck into the net with the goaltender? If he's not strong enough to stand in his crease it, it it should be a goal. I understand it. The problem with that line of thinking is that brings a lot of situations where you're going to have so many guys jam in front of the net with disregard for the puck. One, you're going to have so many more goals go in pushing the goaltender. It's like, where do you cut it off? A stick, a skate? And then I think it becomes dangerous for the goaltenders. So... I I don't I I think you got to be really careful with that rule and enforcing it the way they did last night will avoid injury with the goaltenders and it'll avoid all these goals going in where guys are just plowing into the front of the net with no regard for the goaltender and giving him a chance to stop the puck.
0: We got three sleeps until the Leafs and Habs start on Thursday night on Sportsnet and CBC, so it'll be a hockey night in Canada series, quite obviously. We'll start to dig into the Leafs' lines. Jack Campbell has been officially named starting goaltender for game number one. I think there's no surprise there. Updates on Carey Price and Brendan Gallagher from the Montreal side. We will touch on that. The Blue Jays take a series from Philadelphia. I'll tell you why I'm worried about the week ahead. Boston's coming in for three starting tomorrow night. Tampa Bay rolling into Dunedin for a home series against the Blue Jays for four games starting on Friday, wraparound through to Monday. There's one sort of storm cloud now above this Blue Jays team that has me quite worried. And it started to crop up this weekend. We saw it twice touch on that. Doug Smith of the uh, Toronto Star will join us a little bit later on. Uh, The Raptors season has mercifully come to an end. They will miss the playoffs. Uh, We'll talk uh, about the season that was, the Masai Ujiri contract situation, where the franchise goes from here, and we'll get Doug's thoughts on the play-in tournaments in both the Eastern and Western Conference. The 7, 8, 9, 10 matchups are set there. Jam-packed show. Leafs lines, baby little Leafs lines conversation. Oh yeah. Can't wait. Riley. There's no salary cap. There's no salary cap. Who do you want? Oh, They were screaming and ranting, raving about (laughs) Tampa Bay. Oh, Stamkos and Kucherov. They're spending like a hundred million dollars. Yeah. We're going to
5: talk about that.
0: Doesn't matter in the playoffs. So we're going to play a game, and the panel discussion starts at 7 o'clock, Ziggy, and it's going to be called, How Big of a Coward is Hugh Burl. Hugh is not here to defend himself at the moment. He is in the other room, having just that'd completed be, his update, so that, this is a that'd good be,
5: that's, That'd be a pretty short game. <laughs> He's
1: just a chicken. He's afraid uh. to lose.
5: I don't even know what we're talking about. Well, we got to make a bet on this. We got to make a bet on this series, right? <laughs> I thought something happened. No, like how big uh. a coward is you, bro Because
0: late last week, <laughs> w- were we talking about this on air or off? We we're definitely talking about it off air. So I can't remember if we brought it on. But remember, it was like February or something. And we said, if the Leafs and Habs make the playoffs, we will do something. We'll make a really good bet out of it. Well, he's walking around now talking about how, well, uh, maybe I'll do a bet. Like if the Leafs win in six or seven, I'll, I'll pay up. He, he's, he's, he's doing that whole thing where he thinks his favorite team is going to lose in four straight so that if it doesn't happen, he can be excited. But if it does, he can say, well, I told you it was going to happen. You, can't, you can't, can't rip me. The Habs lost because I told you they were going to. Everybody knew they were going to. Leafs are supposed to win. What do you want from me? He's playing that game. He's playing that game. And he's scared of heights. I'm, I'm down. I, I hate heights. I know
5: what you, you know what you guys should do. You guys should do the one where you should do the, you, you should do not, not the edge. walk. I've done the edge walk at the, I can't do the edge walk. I've already copped to that. Okay. So the edge walks, the one where you go outside, they hook you up onto two ropes, right? Safety lines. And you put it like this big, you put a suit on. They gave you shoes and you walk around on a skywalk that's suspended over the side of the top of the sea and tower. Not the, it's not all the way up to the top of the point. It's like we're the above the restaurant. It could be higher.
0: Are you saying, so, are you saying the edge walk isn't that high
5: because it's uh, not at the tip of the tower? It's not at the
0: because it's at at the the restaurant restaurant.
1: level.
5: Yeah, that's (laughs) it could be. Yeah, it it could be around the pod. So you go around it for twenty minutes. You walk, you go out there twenty to twenty five minutes, and you do all these like stunts around it. What I think, what I think, whatever you like, put your you lean over, you lean on the rope. Like I, I didn't do any of that. Anyways, that was back two thousand and fourteen. I think you guys should do the one where. You go off the side of the building and you walk down the building. That's the one you guys should do. The stairs? No, 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 no. You get hooked up to your hole. You put a harness on, everything. You go off the side of a building and you walk down the building. And you can do it faced up or you're supposed to go face down and you walk down the building. Mm Mm-hmm. From the top, that's yeah. that. That's yeah. the one to get over your yeah. fears. Yeah. That's yeah. what you need to do. Yeah,
0: because both you and I have come on the air millions of times and bragged about how it's always been our dream to be Spider Man. That's <laughs> that, that's that that is not happening at all. I thought I thought okay, well, we w- once we get past COVID, everything opens up. We go up the CN tower. This is going to sound like such a loser thing now that you brought up the whole Spider-Man act and we talked about the edge walk, (laughs) like it for Hugh and me, simply stepping on the glass
5: floor that, that is see-through up there
0: would be a lot.
5: It's eight feet. It's eight feet thick. It's like, it's everyone thinks it's like an inch. It's
0: not an inch. I couldn't do it. Last time I was up there, I couldn't do it. I froze. I froze. If you want to see me, like, cry like a baby and maybe pee myself, then that's, Dad, <laughs> that, I think, is a, a reasonable bet. And we'll get some social media and we'll we'll do all that. Anyway, Hugh will be along at 7 o'clock and we'll figure out what the bet for the, the Leafs-Habs playoff series is, is going to be. Riley Nash, you heard it here first. Riley Nash is going to score a big goal for the Maple Leafs in this playoff. All right. Riley I Nash, like he's going to be a playoff hero. This is going to be a guy who never plays a game for the Maple Leafs in the regular season and steps up and is a playoff hero at some point. He is going to have, like, his Mike Foligno or Nikolai Borshevsky moment. And he may fade off into the sunset and play somewhere else next year, but Riley Nash will be the answer to a trivia question by the time this is all said and done. You heard it here first.
5: Yeah, well, I think you need players like that in the Leafs lineup, and that's been a question mark, right? They have guys that can score. It's a skilled lineup, but what else is there? What you know? How many Folinos and Hymans do we have in the lineup? And I think Nash is just another one of those players that you can throw him up the middle. You can throw him on the wing. He can play third line, fourth line. Obviously, I don't think he'll he'll be part of of the big four, but I think he re- I think he really makes the forward group better. And I know he hasn't played and that's a bit of an issue, right? I always talk about how I want a guy to play in the regular season before he plays in the playoffs. And obviously that doesn't relate towards Kucharov in Tampa Bay because the last game he, he was played right. in was game six <laughs> and he was all right with a couple of goals like a and a set up in front, like he was the best player on the ice. I, don't, don't ask me about Kuchar. Exclude Kuchar from this conversation. But I like a guy to get some games in before, before he plays. And uh I, I think with Nash, he's got such a good work ethic. I don't think it's an issue. Yeah, He's the guy that battles Um big body six, two, and they're going to need that physicality for the Leafs. They have the guys that can score, but what What has this team like what what has the, this Leafs team missed in prior years in the playoffs against Columbus against the Bruins they 've missed the Riley Nash felino types like if you take felino and Nash off of off of the blue jackets last year do do and you put them on the Leafs do the Leafs beat columbus i 'm going to say outside of the miraculous performances of of uh Du Bois, I think I think they do. I think two guys like that on this Leafs team will make a difference. Now it's just can they adapt to Toronto's style of play? Because it's a different style, right? I know they added Simmons this year and Bogosian's out, but the makeup of the team has changed. Has it changed enough where guys like Felino and Nash can come in and and step in right away? For the most part, Felino's look great. Nash. It's it's going to I, I need to see a couple games. So starting out the playoffs and just going and getting into it. I, I know it's going to be it's going to be tough. Um, So this is a, I just think guys like that will change the makeup of this Leafs team. And we this is what we all wanted, right? This is what everybody was was this was the knock on the Leafs. They don't have the Felino and the Nashes. Now they've got the Simmons Nash Felino, Okay. Now it's, how is the dynamic of the Leafs? How is this going to change things? And I, I it, it makes them better. I thought Nash was going to start off on the fourth line. So it's it's looking like him, mckayev and Kerfoot on the right. I like Kerfoot as a winger. I think Kerfoot's best with Tavares and Nylander, but I'm sure that's something they can interchange, put McKayev on the right, Felito down to the third. Like, Right now, it's Hyman Matthews, Marner, Felino Tavares, Nylander, McKay of Nash, Kerfoot, Thornton Spezza, Simmons. You can do so many things with this lineup. The only thing I was surprised at, and I don't know where you put them, was that Galchenyuk's not part of well, the Well,
0: and I'm going to read a text sent into five ninety five ninety from Chris and Barry. Saw the projected lines. Someone please explain and tell me how Mikheyev has earned his spot for the playoffs over Alex Galchenyuk or even Kerfoot being in over Galchenyuk. Makes no sense to me how those guys beat out Galchenyuk for a spot. I hope it doesn't cost them. I I did not have. I did not have. Why isn't Alex Galchenyuk playing on my Leafs bingo card? Chris and Barry at the start of the season. Honestly, he wasn't a
5: Leaf at the start of the season. But yeah, honestly, that's one of the best texts we've got. Like we get some doozies. That's like, it's a good uh, question. I, yeah. It, honestly, this it guy, is. Cause I, cause he, cause he's, he's deserved to be in the lineup and he's and, played top six and played well. In and the he's top played six. with everybody. Yes. And he's, and he's gone. through We always talk about going through a little bit of adversity. You got to remember this guy's bounced around so much. When you come into a new team, you always play good. Those first five, six games. It just a guy like gelchenyuk you know, you're going to see some kind of effort. He sustained that longer than four or five games. He had a little bit of a lull and then came back strong again, and was really good towards the end of the season. I don't know how he's out of the lineup, but when I look at it, who comes out for you like that's the question well, there's there's hard, de- the there's hard de- well there's hard decisions, which is what you want to give your coaching staff well and i you think, want to make it hard and i th-
0: i think if you're if you're playing felino with Tavares and Marner that bumps Galchenyuk out of the top six because Hyman is obviously, excuse me, if you're playing Felino with Tavares and Nylander, it certainly bumps Galchenyuk out of the top six because you got Hyman with Matthews and Marner, right? So then you're looking at third line. Well, Elia Mikheyev doesn't have hands, but he grinds each and every shift. He retrieves pucks and he might bat home a rebound. I, I, I You're not taking Riley, you're giving Riley Nash a chance here right you acquired him for a reason and alex kerfoot brings some speed on on that line he's been a regular for two seasons with the leafs and you're not putting gelchenyuk on the fourth line here's the thing will alex gelchenyuk draw into a game i think it depends on how the series is going you know he's he's probably your first guy up front if you're if you're switching somebody out and putting him in he's your first he's your first choice you you, well, play, a- you play a stinker in game 1 you can slot him in. If you're if things are going
5: well, he's there for you if and when you need him. Here's the thing. Who is that guy? Who's the guy they're going to put into the lineup that if things don't go well in game one or game two, they can give you some energy, give you a guy that can put a puck in the net. I don't know who else it is. Like, say you take Thornton out in game one or Spez out in game one or even something crazy like you take Mikheyev out in game one. Do you like what? Do any of those three players, when you put them back in, they give you something where you're like, "Oh, this guy could score a big goal for us." Spezza, maybe. Thornton might be able to make that play. But you
0: also zig. You also Joe Thornton. You gotta play him in game one of the playoffs, right? I, yeah, I'm and not if, saying to take him out. But I'm what just I'm saying, saying though is, this, if
5: it doesn't go well, he got his chance, right? Yeah, you, you can. You, you're fine. Sit. You're the thing about it. I know what you're saying. You're you're trying to say. Which players am I okay sitting out right now where I'm not going to lose them? If you sit a Thornton or Spez out, you might lose them where the team looks bad, the coaching staff looks bad, and you lose a bit of the room. Like, I think if you sit out Thornton or Spez in game one, you lose them. Like, unless they look awful in the first one. They're playing game two as well. Like Galchenyuk's not coming in That's game right. one or two. Like, no, no one's Hyman doesn't look good. He's not coming out. Felino's staying in. Mikaiev's gonna play the first two. Kerfoot's not going anywhere. Nash, barring something like crazy where he just doesn't look comfortable, can't skate out of position, a minus two. Then Kerfoot would slide to the middle, and either Felino would drop down and Galchenyuk would slot back in. Exactly. But I'm I'm just I think it's a mistake to have Galchenyuk out of the lineup. And I said when he got here, I think he's going to be good, but I'm not sure he's the long-term solution for Tavares and Nylander. And I'm still not saying that, but I am really surprised in how much he's brought to the team with energy, with physicality, and a guy that's a threat to score. Like, I love Mikhaev. I think he does everything on the ice well. I'm not sure... Many guys can do that many things on the ice as he can, but to be a threat to score, it's just, it's not there for me. And does he find it and score 30 goals next year? Maybe it can happen, but I don't know. Like, where, where are you with McKayev? like, is he a, is he a guy where you say, well, I need a goal right now. I'm going to throw him out on an offensive draw right now. He's not that guy for me. So I I don't want a player in my top three lines where I can't throw a line out there in the offensive zone and say, I need a goal and you're going to make the case while you have Tavares and Nylander, you got Matthews and Marner. There's like, that's, that's a pretty good one, two punch. No, I need anybody on my top three lines. Who's getting a regular shift in the playoffs is going to have to score. I'm I'm, we've seen, we've seen the playoffs with the big four. You need more than that. It's it's, this is not a one-line league or a two-line league. You're gonna need three lines that can score. And Mikaiev does everything right. But if you're gonna have McKayev on your third line, I need somebody out there like a Gelchenyuk. That's that that's a threat.
0: Yeah, but I, I wonder and, sometimes too, Ziggy, if we start numbering the lines and get get married to that idea. I mean, Spezza, Thornton, and Simmons, there's not a ton of speed on that line at at this point in in those guys' career. But they are they are a group that you could throw out for an offensive zone face off and 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 maybe try to get the puck to the net. I mean, there's some finish on that line. I I think
5: I'm I I think if I had to score a goal, I think I'd throw the fourth line out before the third line. Well, that's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. yeah. It, you, it,
5: when I look at
0: Spetsa Thornton and Simmons as your fourth line, and the game changed a few years ago. Wow. But God, I, are I, we are we miles away from the Fraser McLaren's and Colton Orr's fourth lines?
5: Look well, at the You can you well are you trying to throw my name in there too? Okay, fine, go ahead. Throw no, my name in that too. no, no, no I wasn't no, no, no. You were a face off guy, you were defensive okay, specialist, you were You are and you're like you didn't play long enough for me to chirp you. you, weren't, you were, <laughs> I said nothing. So, yeah. So no but, nothing. but you're no, but you're honestly with the third and Spezza Simmons line, how many like do you think they're gonna play together? Is that like I, I have I have questions about them playing together. Like I think they're gonna be injected into the top three. Like I think Matthew I think Mar the top the, the big four are gonna play so much outside of the back to back game, they might have their minutes that Simmons you can know, play control c- Simmons could play the, the Hyman or the throne Felino yeah, role throw them up Spezza's penalty killing. So you can draw his minutes back. Cause he's going to take all the draws in, in the D zone for the, for the penalty kill. Um, I know Riley Nash is, is, is uh, a good, he's good in the face off circle. I'm wondering if he takes the draws now penalty killing. Um, now that he's there, that's going to be interesting. Uh, like I said, we haven't seen a lot of them right this year. He's, only, he's played thirty seven games with with Columbus he's got seven points so i don't i I don't know I don't know how much we're you know I don't know what he's gonna exactly bring like I, what happens if he can't penalty kill what happens if he's not good in the face off circle his injuries bothering him like i i there's there's a lot of question marks around him, but with spezza, yeah, he can draw his minutes back a little bit he's still gonna get touches he's gonna get out there in the penalty kill he's still out there i they changed the the power play units around the last I checked that he's on that second unit. I think Thornton's in the first unit playing the bumper spot in the middle with Hyman in front of the net, right? That's the last I checked. And then Sandines on that top unit. That all could change this week. Believe me, they're going to, they might play around with the, with the power play units, but it looks like they're not going to load up on the one. Uh, uh, Tavares are going to go on that second unit. But like I said, that's going to change. Um,
0: it could change throughout the week. Texts are pouring into 595.90. We'll read some of those. Carey Price is going to play, we believe, half a game for the Lavelle Rocket tonight of the AHL. Brendan Gallagher is expected to be back for game one. He's had the thumb injury, kept him out for about six weeks. He is expected to be available for game one for Montreal as well Thursday night, and he will play tonight for the Lavelle Rockets. So the Canadians have a couple of their key guys on loan to their AHL team. The Lavelle Rocket, I guess, are playing their final AHL game of the season so price and Gallagher will play in that one tonight I've got some concerns about the state of the Blue Jays even though things have gone fantastic in spite of a lot of adversity so far I'll explain what I mean by that we're all over the Leafs and Habs three sleeps to game one of the first playoff series between these two teams in 42 years Hugh Burl joins Ziggy and me at the top of the hour for our daily panel chat and we'll play a game called Is Hugh Burl a Coward? We're getting a text from a 519 number. My boss is doing the same thing. He's refusing to bet me now. Habs fans are... Suddenly they've they've lost their confidence, Ziggy. Suddenly all the arrogance, all the... All the true Hab
5: fans were seeing the who they really well, you, you are You don't right believe
0: now. in your team you're getting your yeah, your, know. your goalie and your
5: one it's of your back, best wingers
0: you're... one of your best wingers are playing tonight laval they're going to be ready to go for thursday i mean come on
5: they have no confidence i'm telling you this they're scared of this leafs team um it's i mean i don't i mean i i know we're all <laughs> we're kidding i mean i i it's i i think they're going to be The Leafs are going to be in tougher than everybody says, but like, what's your like? If I had my prediction, I'm going, I'm going Leafs in 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 six. I think it'll be five though, but I wouldn't be surprised if Montreal steals one or two. Um, and it's going to come down to to what, how Carey Price feels in the minors. How does this one period or half game go for him? That that for me is going to say a lot cuz of what he did in the bubble last yeah, year. Although
0: like, if I'm the Habs, I feel pretty good about the
5: fact that Jake Allen's my fallback plan. Like they're they're he's a, a good option options. to have and that's why they spent money on it. That's why they I think they have the most expensive goalie tandem in the NHL. I'm pretty sure yeah, maybe they, they Vegas. Locked, Vegas would be close. They, um, lo- they locked Allen in on on a longer
0: term extension at less money per year, but yes, I think this year he's making 4 plus.
5: Yeah, so 14 million between yeah. both goaltenders. I think that's number one in the league. So have they gotten a the number one performance from their their two guys? Uh I don't think so. Yeah. But like I said, in a short, in a, in a one, you know, in a in a week, you know, week and a half, six, seven games, can what can Carey Price do? Is he going to take them to the Cup finals? I think it's that's going to be a goalie tandem if they're going to do anything, even to beat the Leafs. But yeah, Carey Care Price is still uh, uh, the X factor for me with that, with the Canadians. We'll play the game is
0: Hugh Burrell, a coward. Will he step up and make <laughs> a bet as the Habs fan on this panel? I'm, I'm willing to make a bet. Let's see what Hugh comes up with. And we're all over the Leafs lines. Three sleeps until Toronto, Montreal. We lost another one. I used to, I used to like Rob Folds. but everybody likes Rob Folds. No, I used to. Not everybody okay. anymore. He All tweeted right. the show. He says, "I'm with Hugh Burl. Go Habs, ah. go." So thanks, Falsy.
3: He's
0: a good man. Go back to good, bed, good Rob Folds. Go back to bed, <laughs> Rob Folds. <Fultz. laughs>
2: I feel the need uh, to defend myself from. A blatant blindside attack, which came about yeah, thirty-five minutes ago.
0: No, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the game is called "Is Hugh Burrell a coward?" <laughs> if you make if you make a bet that's worthy of discussion, that's worthy of actually going through with, then you're not a coward. If you don't, if you start to go well, I'll make you a bet if the Leafs beat the Habs in six or seven, but not in four or five, then you're starting to hedge. And if you step right away, then all that talk we made in February when we were making bets on the yeah. regular season games, none of it counts. None of it matters.
2: I will make
0: this bet, but don't you think it would be more – because we, pretty,
2: everybody, just, just everybody don't pretty much
3: cr- – <laughs> <laughs>
0: I will make this bet, but nothing before the butt matters in anything in life. If you're, if you're, if you're going to start clamoring about well, I, odds I, I and think, all that, cut the preamble and just all, get to your
2: whiny point. All or at least most intelligent people out there expect the Leafs to win this series. My, my one caveat to this bet would be if the Leafs win it in seven, we'll call
5: that a win for me. What, what wait a second so yeah. if you lose in seven you yeah, still, still win, win? because okay. the Leafs
2: the mighty Leafs oh here we go the here we go the juggernaut that is the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey club should not be going to seven games with the Montreal Canadiens like please come on seriously should the Pittsburgh it will Penguins, be a, it should... will
5: it will be it will be a moral victory if they do go seven <laughs> I, you know what I'll actually give them that it's not Ziggi. a victory. It's it's a moral victory. <laughs> Ooh, unexpected. You're support still from Ziggi. You're I still you're still out of the. <laughs> you're still out of it. But yeah, I, I mean, be, if, Montreal, if Montreal takes the Leafs to seven, that's a win for Montreal. It I really think is, the, yeah. I think the fan base would be happy. I'll tell you right now, though, <laughs> there's still gonna be problems with Bergevin, and there's gonna be oh, problems yeah. in that organization if they if they don't. I think they're in trouble already. But if if they if they get back. Past the Leafs, I think they're safe going into the second round. I think the expectation for the Canadians this year was not to go to the second round. Like their expectation was go to the final four. Yeah. Um. Then everybody got and injured, and that that kind of went sideways. But that went sideways right off. You know, after about fifteen games into the season. But the seven, if they take the Leafs to seven games, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think I don't think anyone's expecting them. I don't think anybody's expecting six games. I think I think half my, the fan base would be happy.
2: My team, I, I could just sit back and Ziggy's making my point. If for my me. team if great. my team
5: loses in seven,
0: I'll be a loser. <laughs> but I'll tell you this: I'll be a happy loser. <laughs> it's a, it's a and danger. really, at the end of the day,
2: yeah, that's what. If life is I'm a loser, about. at least being happy. All right, fine. You're goading me into it. You're, you you are. You you you
0: you you're poking. You you you're nudging. You you are sticking. You would have sat here last year. Yep. And talked about how your Habs didn't have a chance against the Penguins in the, in the, and, and they beat them. Let me tell you. And they beat them. So here's the deal. You and I are both petrified yeah, of heights. I'm not doing a heights thing. I cannot do No, no, no. A heights I'm talking thing. about the glass floor. I oh, okay. I would Maybe never the do floor. the edge walk. There's yeah. no way. I'd have a heart attack. I can't yeah. and it's twenty minutes, and I would be the one guy on this planet, the harness <laughs> yeah. one yeah. of the harnesses, one of the two harnesses would snap. Yeah. And then I'd be dangling. Yeah. And we're not doing that. Like, that's the stuff it's that goes too, through my too mind. It's two
5: support. It's two supports. You got one on the front and one on the back. So if one of them goes it's yeah. faulty. You got another backup, but good. You can, yeah, you can do it. Where's you're your, back, make, where's your backup? Where's your backup for the backup? Any better?
0: Where's your backup for the backup? Where is there
5: is there a guy underneath the walk gonna catch me if I fall? <laughs> yeah. I
0: mean, and 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 if you're listening and you're saying, well, was stepping on the glass floor of the CN Tower that that that's that's horse crap. There's there's nothing to that. That is very tough for Hugh and me, and yeah. we will film it. Yep, it the Like you have to understand, like experience like will be
2: recorded. I don't know if you're the same as me, Scotty, but but I I have a like like vertigo and like I have a, a, yeah, it's a crippling awful. fear of heights. I really do. I it's I
0: barely go out on the roof of our building. There are photos, you've yeah. seen this. There are photos of some of the people who helped to build the CN Tower. Yeah. It's crazy. Sitting out and having lunch dangling off of one of the support beams before the tower itself was fully completed. And they weren't strapped or anything. They're like, how high is the CN Tower? Twenty five, twenty seven hundred 2,700 feet, something like that, whatever it is.
2: It's at at least 25 feet high. It's big. Yeah. 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 So, and they don't have a care in the world. There's that famous picture. I I believe it's in New York where the iron workers are up having their lunch on one of the beams. Yeah.
0: Was that when they were building Empire State or one of the... Yeah, it's like... (laughs) Like, I don't no, know how no chance. So, but so, I can do, I,
2: I, I, sure, the glass floor thing. Right. Even though I don't stand a chance. So, we'll see,
0: this, but... we'll see if the Habs can break through the glass ceiling.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: By and the way, if not, you got to step on the glass floor.
2: Our producer, that, Mike Gentili, who is. Just he's also a Habs He's a fan. wonderful, he's, wonderful man. Too many uh, he says, if the Leafs do not win in four or five games, I will count it as a victory for the Habs. So well, thank
0: you very much, James. Good to know, good that. to know, good to know that fans <laughs> of the greatest franchise in the history of professional hockey, have we ever not heard enough about that, are now settling for, for, for a loss in six games <laughs> this, this in the opening round of the playoffs is, against one of their, yeah. the biggest rival that they've...
2: Isn't this Ever great? Had. We're still three days away from this game, and it's just starting well, to ramp no, up. Well, no, but I, you're oh just, my goodness, you
0: just—you know—it was nice before when I could pretend that Habs <laughs> fans weren't what I thought they were. But here they are, reminding me yep. Yep. that they are exactly that. They are—they exactly are, are
2: who we thought they were. Absolutely. And you know, you know, Habs fans are saying the exact same thing that Leaf fans, by the way exact same thing
0: right so (laughs) price is
2: what makes it great
0: price plays tonight half a game for the laval rocket brendan gallagher coming off the thumb is going to play for laval apparently they're both going to be at at laval's morning skate today too so there could be some media availability for those two and both are expected to be ready for game one in toronto on thursday night i gotta tell you this if if you'd said to me in well Alex Galchenyuk was not a Leaf at the time, so I would have really called you crazy. But if you'd said to me at the start of the season that there would be a lot of consternation and constipation on the text line on the Monday morning before the start of the playoff series that Alex Galchenyuk was not included in the top four Leafs lines at practice four days before their first round playoff series began, I'd have called you absolutely insane. And yet, Ziggy, it's justified. I I mean, this this guy's played well, but... Again, the, this team is constructed differently around the edges than at any point in the Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and I'll throw Tavares in there. He came along a little later, but in in, in the so-called Big Four era, and it is a reflection of something that they have also lacked in the past, which is depth. When Nazem Kadri got suspended, it was a bunch of ice time for the turtleneck. Thomas Plakanitz right? But, but now I still can't
2: believe he was there.
0: but yeah. now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden they got depth and we're arguing over guys who are going to be left or likely it appears left
5: off of the opening night playoff lineup. Well, the things you're looking for is you're you want Hyman to keep that same chemistry going with Matthews and Marner Cause it's been excellent that those three guys together have been one of the most potent lines in the NHL. The wild card for me is the left side with Tavares, and Nylander, and it's been a wild card all year. And Galchenyuk has done better in that spot, better than anybody else I've seen. So, how's Foligno going to fit there? It's going to get a game, and then it's going to you're going to you're going to see other players there. Whether it's Simmons go up, whether you have Thornton go in there, there unless they they're flying off the drop of the puck, I see that is being one of the wild cards, the third line is a complete wild card for me. I, I know Kerfoot can play wing or center, but we have Nash. We don't we haven't we haven't seen a lot of this year. And then obviously the two of the older players on the team and Thorn and Spezza, this is a the playoffs is a different beast. And I know they're both veteran guys and they've been around the league a long time. And Thornton has done better this year than I expected. Remember, there's times where you know, the one goal in 18 games and people are saying Thornton can't play anymore. I still think he was effective. It's just if he's not scoring and the power play is not going, like he's here to get the power play going. And the power play for the last half of the year has been the worst power play in the league. And I'm not putting it on his shoulders, but that's a big part of of why you brought him in here. Aside from the the leadership stuff and... And playing, you know, on the top line, I I think you have to be careful with his minutes. This this uh, the playoffs are a lot more um, physical, and he's a big guy that's that's not afraid to go in the corners. But it's a different beast. He knows that more than anybody in this lineup, and uh, how he responds to, you know, not getting a shift for ten minutes. Spezza's, I'm okay with Spezza. Spes has been the most effective player in the NHL for minutes played per game. I'm just, I, I'm not sure how, how Joe can, how he'll respond in the playoffs to that. Spez has done it for two years and he's been the best at it.
0: Well, and Spez is um, still th- what? Three, four years younger than, than
5: Thornton, he's, right? Thornton, I think is two years older than me. I think Spez is two younger than me. So, yeah. yeah. Four years. I'm, I'm just going to say this, the two older, you know, and then how much does Sp- Simmons get out there? Is he, how effective is he going to be? Right. I'm a lot of people want him on the top. want him in the top three. Like, can he be effective on that fourth line where we see him for eight minutes a night or six minutes a night? It's hard. I told you this. If you don't get 12 minutes in a game, it's tough to be an offensive threat out there.
0: Yeah. And I I think Thornton's a guy. uh, There are other names you can throw into this mix as well. But Thornton in particular is a guy veteran respect. He plays game one and he plays game two. And depending on how the series is trending or depending on how he looks, he might be a guy who needs a little bit of rest. They got a back-to-back situation in games three and four. They got a three and four nights. If you factor in the game five scenario as, as well. And I guess if you continue to extrapolate, it's five and seven. If you factor in game two, three, four, and five, the way that the schedule is, is going to be. If he needs a little bit of rest, then you can slide a Gelchenyuk. In and shift the lines around. I, I don't think it's an insult to him, but he gets the opportunity to come out of the gate as one of the twelve forwards. And as you said, Ziggy, you don't lose the room by mistreating a veteran the way Mike Babcock did. I think when he
5: sat yeah, you Jason play, yeah. Spezza for the home opener it's a, yeah. two years it's, ago, it's it's really important to play these guys in the. It, you don't want to. You don't want them to save whatever's not going well. You give them the shot to. You know they've they've earned the right to start the playoffs, and they're not players. They're not like a, they're not a Pierre Engvall or a Brooks, right, or a Galchenyuk, where you can kind of bring them in to give you some energy in a game where you don't play well, or you're having trouble scoring, or you need a a little bit more of a physical presence. They're not like Spezza and Thornton aren't those guys. So the way they're starting the playoffs. I, I don't I don't have an issue with it. I'm just I think Gal, I think this team is better when Gelchenyuk is on it. But I don't know who you take out. Like that's that's the issue, right? When you have Nash start on your th- as your third line center, I don't I, I don't know. I, who else can you But that's a good problem to have. We've talked about how you need depth and how they need it on the back end. You need it on the you need it with your forward group as well. You, need, you, want, you want guys to put pressure on who's in the lineup. Like, what, would you, what are you going to do right now if the Leafs just had 12 play, players where you're like, ah, a Dennis Maligan or, you know, a, you know, Brooks has been good this year, but I don't know. Like, the Leafs have now, they have 15 forwards they can put in. Even put Sabern in that. For a guy you want to bring in and you want to throw some weight around on the ice if this series gets really rough and you want to throw a guy in if, if, if there's a lot of injuries... I don't even mind him coming in because, you know, every time he's on the ice, he brings you the, the Tom Wilson effect. And guys are, are 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 concerned if he's on the ice. So they have a little bit of everything. They've got some penalty killing. They've got some size. They've got Gilchenyuk, a guy who can score. They got a nice little mix here of players on the taxi squad that can come in and make them better if there's an injury, if Thornton's tired, if someone doesn't play well, if if they need to shake up the forward lines. They have options and I like that right now. So we've settled the bet. Glass floor.
0: Sure. CN Tower. Yep. A uh, 519 number is saying the loser should be doing push-ups on the glass floor. I mm. couldn't do push-ups
2: on a regular floor, but okay. Okay, <laughs> so
0: we'll we'll yeah. do sure. we'll do ten push-ups on the glass floor. Loser sure. does ten push-ups on The glass floor. That or until you pass out. If you don't make it to 10. Eyes eyes open. (laughs) Eyes open, yeah. Eyes open. It's all, this is all going to be recorded on social media.
2: Posterity, yeah. All
0: right, so, uh, and like we said off the top, Price and Gallagher will play tonight. Price a half a game uh, for the Laval Rocket, their final AHL regular season game, and then those two are expected to be ready for uh, Montreal on Thursday night in Toronto. Chris Bosch is a basketball Hall of Famer, formerly going in class of 2021. First of all, are you big on hall of fame debates? We, we seem so they can be possessive of these. No, but we, it's like we get worked up about an honor, uh, an induction into a museum. We're so protective of the sports that we love. People are, there are people who are angry that Chris Bosch is in. Yeah. Now, Here's the thing. Chris Bosh is one of the better players in the history of the Toronto Raptors and he was the best player on the Toronto Raptors for the time that he was here. He went on to win multiple world championships with the Miami Heat. He was what? The third best of the big three on the LeBron, D. Wade, Chris Bosh super teams. And then unfortunately his career was cut short with the his lung situation and 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 yep. the blood, blood, clots, clots, and, blood and, clots and all yeah. of that. But at at any point is it our bias as Toronto fans, he was our best player while he was here. Does that inform how we may feel about Chris Bosch's standing in the game? Should he be a Hall of Famer? He was the best raptor while he was here. But at any point, could you make an argument that he was one of the top players in the entire sport? Because when he was winning championships, he wasn't even one of the two best players on his own team.
2: No, these are great questions. Um, And we're we're viewing everything through the lens of a Toronto Raptor fan. So we're giving him a lot more leeway than he should get possibly objectively. Um, No, just, just, I don't know. He wins championships. If he... Here, the question becomes to me, if he stays his entire career with the Toronto Raptors, is he a Hall of Famer?
0: I don't think well, so. Well, tell me the... Fantastic, fantastic me the basketball qual-
2: player. Great.
0: Yeah, yeah but there, there's so many different offshoots that uh, of information we'd need to answer that question properly. Like, does a Kyle Lowry end up here regardless? And yeah. do they fill in the edges and, and win a championship? Sure, I know. If yeah. they don't... And they're a three or a four seed that never gets past the second round of the yeah. playoffs. That's but, a totally yeah. different
2: outlook. I'm going to put it in the hockey vernacular. He, Chris Bosch is a lot like a guy like Clark Gillies, good solid hockey player, really
5: good player, but he played for the Islanders, right? I think it, it matters. I think I think your stats matter to a point, but does your does the market you play in matter? I think it does to to some extent. Um, I think it's really tough when you have a I think I think the I think the Bosch situation is tough because his career was cut short. But was it cut short? Does that matter to you that if someone's career is cut short due to the injury more than where they played? That's what it's for me. Um I think the fact that your career is cut short and are you given a pass? I think that should account for something, but I don't I don't want someone in the hall of fame that I think is just a great player, but didn't play the games. Like if Mario Lemieux played 400 games or Wayne Gretzky played 400 games, do you throw them in the hall of fame? I think it matters how long your career is. I think, I think it, I think your games played has to be taken into effect. I think it, I think how many champion, I think like for me, winning should be involved in it a little bit too. Like, where do you stand on? But he it? won. Like, here's the factors. Right? Did, did you win? Most people say, I don't care. Um, how many years did you play? Was did you have a long career? Like, did your career get cut short with injuries? I think that carries a little bit more weight. Uh, something I don't think a lot of people care about or talk about, but I think it matters. And you brought this up, Scotty, is if he plays his career in Toronto, is he in the Hall of Fame? And I think that what we have in Toronto right now is really special. But I I think people south of the border don't take I mean we just won a championship a couple years ago I still don't think people south of the border take us seriously No they don't
2: care about I them. really don't they they really don't
0: No But we if 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 Chris Bosh is on championship caliber Raptors teams then they are playing on U S national Fine. television in June then, then he's I get being it. Yeah. seen Right
2: I think I mean end of the day he's in he, he's he was a great player was to me. Is he a hall of famer? He's only a hall of famer because he played with LeBron and D Wade there. Right. You got to remember though, he also
5: speaking like he also won a gold medal in 2008 on team USA. Like I think when you get to play internationally, I think that definitely helps you out with the hall of fame. Like I don't know enough about the basketball hall of fame where does international play, matter right because I know that's a big one with the with the hockey hall of fame right like where where do you guys stand with that like this international well, play, does hockey that hall for of fame it?
2: it's not the national hockey league hall of fame so, I know yeah, but when so we I'm, break I'm down
5: career when we break down careers do you do you talk about a guy's gold medals right do you talk about his world championships I not that's usually a, that's, no that's another and, and that's that, another that's it's another aspect to look at right yeah
0: I just, uh, when you're talking about guys whose careers were cut short, and Bosch was not at this level, but Sandy Koufax is a, a prime example. You go way back in baseball history. Now, he won three World Series, appeared in four, won three with the Dodgers through the 60s. And he was out of the game after a really good season in 1966 at the age of 30. Yeah. His arm was done. Yeah. So if you give Sandy Koufax another eight years, think of the numbers that he would have ended up with. So I, I do think that if you are particularly elite, time spent becomes less relevant. Yeah, it's well, it's clear Bobby that Orr, Sandy Koufax was. Yeah, Bobby, Bobby Orr, Orr with his knees, so right? All too. of that. Yeah. But Chris Bosh, I just don't think was ever at no at that level. Like but, nice,
2: nice player, good player,
0: but he was on TV all the time. Yeah. Miami's a hot market. He's playing with LeBron James, which in and of itself lends to more. TV time. And I, I don't think you diminish a guy's accomplishments championships,
5: Yeah. One champ four uh, four final. Like he, he played on good. He played on, he played on some good teams and put up decent. Now, like I, I'm okay with him getting in. Like I, I think more players in the better. Like for me, if you have a good career, let guys in. Like I'm, 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 I'd rather let a guy in that was on the fence than not let him in. That's where I stand in any sport. Ziggy is the president.
0: Of the Bernie Federko <laughs> fan club. John Paul Morosi. Will he um, make the effort to allay my fears about this coming week for the Toronto Blue Jays? I'll explain what's got me worried, and Morosi will join us next. <laughs> So the bet is made. If the Leafs win, Hugh will do 10 push ups on the glass floor at the CN Tower. And if the Habs beat the Leafs, I'll do that too. Whenever the pandemic's over and we're allowed to go up there, and we
5: will post it all on social media. And I'm going to be there rating the style of the push ups, if it's done correctly. I'm gonna just oversee the whole situation. Okay, that's good. I'll be the. I will be the official. How about that? It's
0: always very important
5: to slide your way in.
0: I'll the, even
2: Ziggy just eating a sandwich, watching us do push-ups. I can
0: I'll
5: see. I'll that. even great. Yeah, they actually do have great food up in the CN Tower. Awesome.
0: The funny thing is, um, th- on the way up, my back will be to the middle of the tower side of the elevator, and I won't be. <laughs> I won't be
5: looking. You know, what we should do one day. We should. I've done this. It was for a charity. I've actually raced up the CN Tower, the stairs. I've done like there was some charity event that I had everyone right. donate for okay. me. yep. and I got timed from the bottom to the top. How how, uh, how long did it take you? I think it was like around twelve to fifteen, like somewhere in the twelve to fifteen minutes. Were I you it double was take me longer? You know, I could have gone quicker if there weren't other people around like I couldn't I didn't want to step around people and you know you don't want to be rude you get kids there and then you don't want to be you know you don't want to be running by a, a 10 year old so it was you know you're polite I'd love to give it a crack or a race with someone how you know just you know a handful of people and you, and you get going you but also got to be in pretty good
0: shape to do those stairs I, I mean, was
5: hurting he, I was hurting I was hurting like at the top I was out of breath like and I, 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 I
0: used to live on the 27th floor of my condo Ziggy, I don't live in the building anymore, but uh, when the elevator was not working and you didn't, you either had to sit in the lobby and wait for God knows how long, could be 10 minutes, could be an hour and a half, like you don't know. I'd take the stairs and, whew, I mean, that's yeah. that's a grind, man. That's 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 not easy. Well, good for you to do it. Um, this time you can just hold the camera and uh, record the revolution. It will be televised. All right, I'm really excited about where the Blue Jays are, but I also have some fears about what this week entails for them with six big divisional games, three against Boston starting tomorrow night in Dunedin, a Ryu and Rodriguez in a battle of ace left-handers for their respective teams, and then Tampa Bay, I should say seven games because Tampa Bay, keep forgetting, there's a day Victoria Day game next Monday. So it's a wraparound four-game series. So a big seven consecutive games coming up against divisional rivals. The state of the bullpen is becoming ever more worrisome. Uh, John Morosi of MLB Network is here, and he's brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can e- expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. All right, no time for the uh, cute hellos, John. I'm, I'm a little worried this morning. So yesterday uh, got way too interesting. They won the game, they won the series with the Phillies, but at some point, asking these relievers to continue to do what they have done for you is going to catch up. It caught up on Friday night because Charlie Montoya could not go to his highest leverage guys in high leverage situations and Joel Piamps and Tim Mesa blew it all up on us yesterday it almost happened again because Jordan Romano didn't look right and was taken out with one out to get and the Phillies got the tying run to the plate I mean these are interesting times and you've got the offensively powerful Boston Red Sox coming in and after that the very fundamentally sound Tampa Bay Rays this is a big seven game stretch with a wonky bullpen coming up for the Jays
3: well you're right you're right. And this is a team that I think is right now going through these struggles because the starting rotation, by and large, is not one that gives them length. And and that is a very difficult problem to fix in the middle of the season. Uh, this The Jays right now are the avatar for managing your pitching staff in 2021 and coming off of the shortened season last year um, how reliable your starters can be uh, we of course have seen and it's been a convergence of of factors not all of which uh, are the Jays' fault uh, obviously there there've been a, a number of injuries with the bullpen but again with the rotation they knew they knew coming in that that Mats was not someone who gave you eight innings every five days. That has never been Robbie Ray's game. That has never been Stripling's game. So the Jays were designed in a way that made them susceptible to this type of problem. And once you add a bullpen that's had injuries and ineffectiveness, Mesa among them, and we saw it again yesterday, it's a convergence of events that are going to be very difficult for them to manage. Now, is the answer to go out there and trade Jordan Groshans for, for the best available combination of starter and reliever? Probably not. Right now you have to trust your internal depth until probably June sometime just based on the way things have worked for a while. But I think, Scott, your your illustrations of why this is a challenging week and why there are some concerns baked into the optimism, I think you're spot on with everything you said.
5: Yeah, and that's two games for Tim Mesa where he's looked shaky. Would Would he be – better off with a stint in the minors at this point or the fact that they just don't have any you know the bullpen's been just ravaged with injuries that you just have to keep going back to a guy like that
3: I think it's probably right now the latter Uh, if, if they had if they had more trustworthy options I think they would have already tried them by now. And, and maybe there's a mechanical fix that he can work on. Of course, uh, we know Pete Walker is excellent at what he does, but it's this has now been multiple appearances, to your point, that uh, have looked concerning for them. So, And, oh, by the way, you're, you're coming up against uh, some teams that are going to challenge your bullpen. Although I, I would point this out. That when you think about the way that the dynamics are, are setting up in the American League East, it's not quite – the, the AL East of, of days gone by where you are going to need your lefty relievers, of course, the, now the whole bullpen management has changed because of uh, because of the three-batter minimum. But uh, the Yankees, I was looking this up yesterday, and I realized they're playing the Red Sox next, but the, but the Yankees have the worst OPS by left-handed hitters of any team in baseball. The team of Ruth and Gehrig and Reggie Jackson, is not hitting from the left side, so it's a really interesting circumstance where maybe you're 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 able to get by a little a little more easily than uh, than in years past. But uh, there's no question, there's a little mini crisis happening there. They're going to have to manage it, I believe, internally. And I will point out that the the back and forth waiver claims they had with Piamps during the course of the winter, they're lucky they've got him now because he's been one of their most valuable relievers so far this season.
0: With John Paul Morosi on leadoff Sportsnet 590, the fan. Man, Vladdy just continues to rake for this team, and it's it's a great story. And we we've, we've been through it the the weight loss in the off season, the the, the the commitment, the the understanding that he had to do it differently if he was going to succeed at the big league level because he'd been a successful master his whole life. Um, but they do have difference makers, and you always love it when we bring up hockey, John. Like I talk about Austin Matthews. You're down a goal. You could be playing a total stinker and you're down a goal late in the game. Somehow you've kept it close. Maybe your goaltender stood on his head. If Austin Matthews is on the ice, something special could happen. Boom. Tie game. Boom. You take the lead. Every time Vladimir Guerrero Jr. steps into the batter's box this season, it's a must see TV event. Something special could happen
3: right and i i was looking up the numbers yesterday and when you look at ops plus so adjusted on base percentage plus lugging and, and which is a really good measure of 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 just sheer offensive productivity of all the young talent in the game he is he's the best uh of that group who's 23 and younger he's better than acuna better than soto better than tatis He's the best of the group this year. And, yeah, it's only the first quarter of the season, but it means a lot for all the reasons that you're mentioning. And and when you describe how the Jays have been able to win, despite the bullpen concerns, despite the occasional inconsistencies with the rotation, because of Vladdy's big moments, that's how you start to make an MVP case. That's how you start to... to to build the the conversation around a player and say, listen, he is the most valuable player, not just because of the numbers, but because of when he's doing the damage, how they need to rely on him. Uh, It it really is a great story. Uh, I think we're all thrilled for Vladdy and what he's been able to do. And I think to your point as well, this is why this team is so much fun to talk about. We just talked about the concerns on on the pitching side. Well, On the offensive side, let's not forget, George Springer's played 4 games this year. <laughs> And look how many runs they're still scoring. Look how well the, this lineup is still clicking. And when you add George, then probably um, Guriel sits a little bit more, or, or uh, potentially Rowdy, depending on uh, right, left, and matchups. But, my goodness, four games that George has played, and look how good this team is. It, it's a lot of fun to talk about this lineup. Uh, and you're right, it, it all starts with, uh, with Vladdy.
0: Well, and just quickly before Ziggy jumps in, John, Rowdy could end up on the IL. I mean, who knows? That the oh, hammy, no. the hammy yesterday didn't look good when right. he slipped out of the box. So between mm-hmm. him and Romano, I mean, maybe we'll get some news in the next day or two before they play Boston tomorrow. Ziggy, take it away.
5: With yeah, with with the the one thing with Vladdy, we're, I, I, I don't want to we we talk. I feel like we we talk about this every other day, but if when Springer comes back, do you see Vladdy right behind him? Do you see him? Do you like him at fourth or fifth spot? Where, where do you like Vladdy to hit once Springer's back healthy?
3: Mm. Yeah, it's a great question, Mike. I, I would rather have Springer ahead of Vladdy just because of what mm-hmm. a great base runner he is. Um, and and it's the old adage, and I think it's true in, in some ways, you have a better chance of there being action on the bases with, with Springer on base and Vladdy up than the other way around. And in yeah. terms of you, you could start the runner, you could have him steal, you could see uh, you could score from first on a double, depending on circumstances. Those kinds of things I think work better when when George hits ahead of Vladdy. So if that's George batting leadoff, if that's George batting second, third, you're going to certainly reshuffle the lineup a little bit. And I think it's important that that George gets the time he needs to to sort of work his way back into being himself. I know how competitive he is. He's going to want to show up on, on day one and and be in game one of the world series mode, but it's not, it's, it's not that crucial that he uh, jump in with, with both feet right now. Let's just let, let's take him at the at the pace that he needs to be. And I think the Jays have done a very good job of that. Uh, it really I, I'm I'm I admire George's patience and, and the Jays' patience. I think they've both handled a pretty tough circumstance very well. Uh, but yeah, I, I would once George is back and his legs are feeling good and he's really running again, I, I would bat him ahead of Laddie.
0: With John Palmarosi on leadoff, Sportsnet 590, the fan. So the L.A. Dodgers are ravaged by injuries. Like, we we sit here and get myopic about the Blue Jays. They're not the only team dealing with with issues. And Los Angeles is going out, and they're bringing Albert Pujols in. I, I don't know what Pujols has left, uh, but it's essentially a run up the freeway for him. So it's not like he's got to uproot his family or leave his family for a period of time. I know there was some talk on Twitter at the very least about, oh, man, maybe there will be a reunion with the St. Louis Cardinals. But, I mean, do they have a need for him with Paul Goldschmidt playing first base? So he ends up in L.A. Is there anything left there? Like, what's a reasonable expectation for him?
3: He's going to play against lefties, and that's it. And that's about what he should be uh and i think he can he can handle that i really do you look at the his numbers even with the angels i think his ops was something close to 800 against lefties this year which again is not great but it's it's something and i i think that he when when they start against a lefty so they're obviously still in the same division as Garner, they are still in the same division as their old friend Alex Wood uh, over in San Francisco. So when they start against a lefty, you'll have Albert playing play first, and he's you know, he can still play it adequately. And then you move Muncie over to second because Lux has not really hit lefties and is struggling overall. So that's going to be the right side of your infield against left-handed pitching. I, I, I think that 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 works. I mean, you you just need a little bit of offense, and and uh, I actually their overall hitting has been quite solid i think that their start has been a little strange they're third in the nl west but their run differential's great their offense has been great really i mean in a lot of ways it's just the, the pieces haven't quite all cohered together in the way they normally do and and so i, I think albert will help them Veteran leadership, of course, uh, that goes without saying. And I think it's also worth noting that one of his very best friends in the game since uh, their early days with the Cardinals two decades ago is Placido Polanco, the former Tiger and uh, Philly and and Cardinal infielder, who is now a Dodger executive. And so Placido, years ago... uh, invited Albert to live at his house when, 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 uh, Albert was a young Cardinal, uh, even back to spring training. And Albert has never forgotten that. And, and if you ask Albert, who the biggest influence in his baseball career has been, he's probably going to mention Placido Polanco. And so, uh, now that, uh, Polanco works, the Dodgers, there there may have been a bit of that relationship helping that contract work out.
0: Uh, last one before we get you out of here, John, it's still a little early to be doing this, but I can't help it. When, The Jays are looking for a playoff spot. They got three options. They can win their division or they can win one of the two available wildcard spots. And they are, in fact, in one right now. If the playoffs were to start today, blah, 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 blah. They would visit Houston for the one game wildcard play in. But the Yankees are right there. The Rays are right there. Cleveland is in the vicinity. Here's the team that isn't. And this is what happened last year in the shortened season. You started to look at other teams and knock them off the list and realized, oh my God, the Jays are gonna get in. What's happened to the Minnesota Twins? Not only are they not in the wild card conversation, they're worse, worse than Detroit.
6: Yeah.
3: Worse than Detroit is is quite a thing in professional sports these days. Uh, when you look at the Pistons and the Wings and <laughs> the Tigers and the Lions, that's that, that's a separate phone call. But uh, <laughs> now uh, not so that you have any but,
0: personal feelings about that.
3: Yeah, we can we, we can go back and uh, I'm just gonna go back and queue up the uh, some some video of the, 19, uh, the 2008 Stanley Cup Final just and make myself feel good again just by watching that. But uh, I, I, I think that when you consider the Twins, the bullpen has been poor. Buxton has been injured. Uh, Cruz has still been great. Cruz has still been Cruz. But uh, the, the, the Buxton injury, Maeda not being good. Shoemaker's off to a slow start. The bullpen has been poor. Um, uh, Kepler was out for a while with COVID. Uh, uh, Anderson and Simmons was, same thing. So I, I, I think that Garver has not hit for really going back to 2000. 17 or 18 was the last time he was really good. So I, I think that they just, it's been a number of reasons. And now uh, actually one of their most consistent starters is Jay Happ. And uh, so I, I'm sure that as our conversations go forward um, and you, you say, okay, well, for the Blue Jays, who can they go to that mm. might give them, give them length? Uh, how about a third act for Jay Happ with the Toronto Blue Jays?
0: Tell you what, there are, there are few people better than Jay Happ in baseball, like in terms of a guy, guy. it'd be, it'd be be interesting. He would be a back end of the rotation piece, but uh, I think we all know the Blue Jays could use those right now, just uh, with the lack of depth. Thanks for doing this, John. Always good to hear your voice. We'll chat next week. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for everything. have a wonderful week. You bet. John Paul Morosi of MLB Network and Sirius XM MLB Radio brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Steven Brunt, about 10 minutes time. The Raptors season, mercifully, is over. The funeral has been conducted after the Paul Bears were carrying the casket for about six weeks on Masai Ujiri's future, on Kyle Lowry's future, and on Hall of Famer Chris Bosch. Doug Smith of the Toronto Star. In a moment, Doug Smith of the uh, Toronto Star to put a bow on this Raptors season and look ahead to what should be a very eventful offseason and could be sooner rather than later. So, Doug, I'm going to throw a phrase out there, and you tell me if when you hear it, you, that facial tick clicks in. Zoom press conference. I bet you're going to miss those day in
6: and day out. I, if, there's two things in my life I wish I invested in magnetic wands and zoom i mean you could be there it wouldn't have to work i mean
0: i know the folks on the jays beat are going through it now and and of course people on on the maple leaf speed it's it's been an entire regular season the playoffs are beginning but we've we've witnessed it watching Sportsnet central or whatever clips of these different things from from somebody who has done this as long and as well as you have Can you encapsulate the experience of covering the beat of a professional team in a pandemic? What has it been like?
6: It's virtually impossible because covering a beat like you guys know is developing relationships in one-on-one conversations, and you can't have them. I haven't physically seen anybody involved with the Raptors since March 9th, 2020. So you can't you can't walk up to a guy and get him aside and have a chat that might yield a story for the next day or might yield a story for a week from now. You can't do that, and it's made it, it's made the job really really hard. Everybody, every story that everybody writes is basically the same because you have all access to the same information.
5: What do you? What does your gut tell you about Maasai, Though, like I, I know it's everyone's right, kind yeah. of guess. Everyone's guessing. It's like, well, what's Mister Tanibal? I'm gonna do, you know what? What's the ownership thinking? What's Maasai thinking? No one can get in his head, but I feel like if you had to guess at this point, just with not announcing it, and then all of a sudden. We're not even sure which story's right. Like, oh, they were going to talk at the end of the season. I had not heard that until a couple weeks ago, right? And then all of a sudden it was, yeah, once the season's done, then we're going to sit down and talk. How are you making, you know, of all the information that you have gotten, What what's your gut telling you today? Because that's probably different than it was two weeks ago.
6: <laughs> yeah, my gut today says you'll be back. It, mm-hmm. it maybe not for maybe not on a five year contract, maybe on three, maybe on a series of one year rollovers, but I think he'll be back. I don't know that. I, I think in in this in a twisted kind of bizarre way, a bad season will bring him back because I think mm-hmm. he would like to leave. Uh, I think he would like to leave on a good note, not mm-hmm. on the worst note of his his tenure in Toronto. So I think that's a, a, probably a little bit of a factor. But I've always thought that eventually he would come back because. One, I don't see the next challenge for him out there. I think the next challenge for him out there, if he wants to stay in basketball, and that's not even a given, would be an expansion team, which is going to come on in probably two, maybe three years. So maybe that's something that that he's got his his eye on in the long term. But I, I think the way they're out the season ended and the way the process is set up to some kind of rebuild or just sort of tweak what he put in place. I think that challenge is going to be very intriguing.
0: With Doug Smith of the Toronto star on lead off sports net the fan. So they're in the lottery. We knew, well, we know that they missed, they missed the playoffs. They, they will have a relatively high draft pick. They have a core of returning pieces on long-term and big-money contracts around which to build, if you were to identify two, maybe three needs and prioritize those needs, one, two, three, Doug, for this offseason, what would they be?
6: I think they need a starting two, a backup three, and a big seven-footer. Uh, I think that's, those those are right there. And that, that's regardless of what happens with Kyle Lowry. I think a stud, shooting guard, backcourt guy is important. I don't think there's anybody on this team that backs up O.G. Ananobi to the level that you want. And while I'm quite happy with Ken Burch and maybe Freddie Gillespie, they're still six nine, And I think you need to be a little bit bigger up there. Uh, so those those would be the the needs that I see today, Now, whether they do it through the draft or whether they trade some of their assets or, or how they go about accomplishing it, I think those are the three things right now that they got to fill.
5: What do you think happens with Johnson bembry and baines do Do any of them come back? I next can't year? See it. i
6: think ben, I think Benbry's kind of intriguing mm-hmm. but i'm I'm still not entirely sure what position he plays. I think Johnson is, is, you know, he's only 24 years old. He's got some basketball left in him, but his offensive liabilities don't make up for his, are, are too big to make up for his defensive skills. Baines at $7 million or whatever his option year is next year is just like, it's a and he's, uh, he proof not not He can't play the way this team needs him to play. And it was an experiment that went awry, and we knew it pretty quickly, but, you know, I don't blame him. Because someone offers you a two-year deal with an option on a second year, you take it. But I, there, it's impossible for me to see a him, a way for him to come back.
5: If you had to summarize the Raptors' season in one word, what would it be?
6: Well, Nick used tumultuous, so I can't use that. <laughs> I would say <laughs> I, I, I would probably go with. Um, inconsistent because it wasn't just the pandemic. They lost a lot of games with full roster that they shouldn't have lost. You know, they got beat at home by Minnesota was the worst team in the NBA. They got beat at home by Sacramento, which was a very bad team. They spat up an Atlanta game when they were up 15 with five minutes to go. They no showed in Atlanta after winning in Brooklyn. Those were with full rosters. So the the pandemic and the relocation are absolutely huge factors. But they gave away a lot of games, and, and that's basically on the team as opposed to on the circumstances. Yeah,
0: and pass like Pascal, for example, missed a, uh, had the ball in his hand oh, it, yeah. and, and missed some buzzer beaters, and that that's luck of the draw sometimes.
6: Yeah, did and you... Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry, followed a guy shooting a double pump three pointer with four seconds to go in a game in Golden State. Mm-hmm. He probably hasn't committed that foul once in his life, and w- never will and again. Yeah, exactly, and it cost him a game. Yeah. Exactly,
0: were you surprised um or were you led ever to question Doug in your own mind the 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 lack of congruence or at least it seemed between the decision not to trade Kyle Lowry at the deadline and then the usage of Lowry and some others down the stretch i mean they they clearly made the decision uh not to field the best lineup night in and night out as as they were still in it. I mean they were a game or two behind that, that tenth and final play in spot and they would rest guys here and there. They even got fined once for circumventing the uh the the injury rules, twenty five grand I think it was. Like did was there incongruence there or did it all make sense to you?
6: I was a little the the handling of Lowry was a little weird to me. No, not that they didn't trade him. I never thought they were going to trade him, because if you're going to deal him, you want to expand the market, and the market expands by 10 times around the draft and free agency. So that wasn't, that wasn't a big deal that he didn't get traded to Philly, Miami, or the Lakers, because there just wasn't a fit that I saw. Not using him as often as they did down the stretch in the second half was a little bit confusing. I, I, you could understand the logic behind it to let the other guys play, And, you know, Lowry's toe was bothering him a little bit right after the trade deadline. But, yeah, that handling was, you know, they're going to have to answer for it. And they're going to say we needed to see the kids. We needed to find out what we had and put them in positions to learn how we have to develop them. You can argue that till the cows come home, and you won't know for two years probably. But, yeah, there was a time in the, I guess, late April area late April time where I thought, well, you know they got they should run him out there because there's still some juice left in this team, and they didn't and and that's that's on them, and that's a decision you know it's a decision that they made it eight years ago or ten years ago, no one would have thought a thing about, but they've been so good for so long that people thought well they just don't do this well, guess what for so the first fifteen years of the franchise, they did it almost every year, they just didn't have. It wasn't the same level and there wasn't the same history of success that you were stopping.
0: With Doug Smith on lead off Sportsnet 590, the fan last one for you. Chris Bosh is a basketball Hall of Famer. And there was a long period of time where he was this franchise, the Raptors franchise. He was this franchise's best player. He was the, I think fair to say, the third best player of the big three in Miami with LeBron and D Wade. And there's no insult in saying that and what we what we do know doug is that we are for whatever reason possessive about the halls of fames of the sports that we watch and we yell at each other and we debate these things um is chris bosh in your mind a basketball hall of famer slam
6: dunk absolutely it has been for three or four years an 11-time All-Star, a second-team All-NBA, when he played in Toronto, as a matter of fact, um, two-time NBA champion, an Olympic champion, bronze medal in a world championship, 17,700 points, 76 or 7,700 rebounds, um, 11-time All-Star, as I said, in 13 years. You know, no matter what you think of the level it takes to get into Hall of Fame, he's a Hall of Famer. And I don't think there's uh, – I'm, I'm surprised he didn't get in his first year of eligibility last year.
0: We'll leave it there, Doug. Thanks so much for the insight. and No question on the coming weeks with, with Masai, and then eventually we'll get into free agency and see what happens with Kyle. Uh, we'll be calling on you and look <laughs> forward to talking.
6: Uh, my, my pleasure all the time, and I'm sure we will be chatting through this whole crazy process.
0: And, Doug, if you want to join us next time by Zoom –
6: <laughs> i don't free. think me in the early i don't think me and early morning zoom are made i them. mean you
0: are the expert on zoom now uh we'll talk soon always look forward to it all right guys thanks very much you bet doug smith of the uh, toronto star and he is the author of the book we the north which is a, a chronicling of the first 25 years first quarter century of the toronto raptors Stephen brunt is the co-host of writer's block Three more sleeps until the Leafs and the Habs. Jack Campbell will start game one for the Leafs. We'll get into that with Steven. The Blue Jays are a season high, five games above five hundred, but I'm worried about the Boston and Tampa Bay series given the state of the Blue Jays bullpen. We'll touch on that. And how impactful is the coming off season to the Raptors? future Stephen brunt in just a moment but first here's what we're talking about this morning on leadoff sportsnet 590 the fan big day in the stanley cup playoffs games number one and they were all exciting the islanders a 4-3 overtime victory over the penguins in pittsburgh kyle palmieri with the uh, game-winning goal at the 16 30 mark of the first overtime period joel erickson back with the overtime game winner minnesota won Vegas nothing that came at the 320 mark of the first overtime period and they almost went to overtime in Florida but Tampa Bay scored with a buck 14 left Braden Point his second of the third period and second of the series Uh, Tampa Bay five Florida four as the Bolts take an early series lead there the Blue Jays as we sit here this morning occupy one of the two American League wildcard spots thanks to a 10-8 victory over Philadelphia yesterday the Jays are off tonight and then they begin a stretch of 13 consecutive days with a game. The Boston Red Sox come in tomorrow night, first of three games. Hyun Jin Ryu, the ace, against Red Sox ace left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez. That is a 737 first pitch on Sportsnet 590, the fan, and on Sportsnet 1. The Raptors' season is over. Chris Bosch is a basketball Hall of Famer inducted as a member of the class of 2021 all right a lot to get to everything we just touched on and more with our next guest he is one of the co-hosts of writer's block here on sportsnet 590 the fan writer's block with jeff blair stephen brunt richard deitch three to five eastern each and every weekday and here's mr brunt good morning sir hey scotty how you doing well i uh i'm just pleased to take a breath after uh ripping through (laughs) all of that (sighs) yes um yes so and i i know as you sit there, Stephen, you're staring at your calendar. Three more sleeps until the Leafs play the Habs. Um, for Ziggy and me, it's it's particularly cool because it's the first time in our lifetimes, although I was reminded by my parents on the weekend that I was, in fact, at the last Leafs-Habs playoff game, game four in 1979. I was in my mom's belly. Um, this is the return of the historic rivalry to the postseason the Leafs are heavily favored they should win this series but Leafs fans are always psychologically conditioned to believe there are a bunch of butts in there what what mm. do you anticipate to play out here over the next week week and a half
4: uh I think it's going to be a, a close uh tense series that's that's kind of what I think um and, uh, that which may be slightly influenced by what we saw yesterday right four four playoff games three overtime games and the other one decided in the last breaths of the third period right super close all of those games i'm i don't know if that's a function of all these teams knowing each other so well because they've only been playing each other all year I'm, i'm guessing it is you know from a from a coaching standpoint like you know every nuance of the opponent this this year um but yeah, I, look, I don't, no, I don't think it'll be a cakewalk. I think it'll be tense for Leafs fans. I think, you know, the first save Jack Campbell makes, big save Jack Campbell makes, everybody might take a bit of a deep breath, but goaltending is going to be a question until they win around. And, you know, it's been a long time since they won around. Uh, and then you're going to have all this stuff playing in the background that you, know, that you alluded to. Although, you know, it's really ancient history. If you want to talk Leafs, Habs, the real rivalry, right? Like you're, you, you know, you reference 79. You know, they played in seventy eight and seventy nine, but like those Habs teams, that was the Dynasty Habs, right? That was the seventies dynasty. And the Leafs were good, but not a real challenge to them. You know, like to get into the real meat of that rivalry, you gotta go back to when I was a little kid. You know, you gotta go back to the sixties. So, you know, it's out there and I'm 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 sure some people will feel it. And uh, you know, there are Leafs and Habs fans everywhere in the country, so that's it is a national thing too. Um, but you know, this to me, this one is really about the master plan you know the the Kyle Dubas Brendan Shanahan build it back up from the from the foundation master plan that really has to come to fruition this year like not with a Stanley Cup but they you know they got to contend right they've 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 got to win this round and probably win the next round and you know look like they belong with the best teams in hockey
5: and we were talking about what this looks like for the hat on the Habs side and obviously a lot of Canadians fans in, in Toronto. What, what does, a uh, is there a moral victory, I guess for, for Montreal, if they take this to where it's we're talking earlier, seven games, I think if it goes to six games, that's a pretty good series. There's for a moral Habs victory teams. for Habs
0: fans <laughs> who are
4: so convinced their team is going to lose. There's no moral yeah. victories. You either advance or you don't. It's funny that, you know, that, you know, like there was a time when Habs fans thought it was kind of their divine right to, to, you know, win Stanley cups, right? Like, Going, you know, not that super distant past, but you know, even going back to the Patrick Wall years, right? Like they, they kind of believed, like they, they, they were supposed to be there, and you know, the the guys in Toronto were pretenders who were never there. So, yeah, there is, there's a lot of, there's a pretty negative vibe around that team right now. Now, you know, it's, again, it's kind of hard, it's hard to pick up the the real pulse of the fan base without fans in the stands though i've got to say like i i don't mm-hmm. it's, it's it is something i'm going to yeah. you know, we're all kind of used to it right and and it, and it was great yesterday watching games where there were people in the stands florida but yeah, yeah it was yeah there was what 9000 people in the game or 10000 in florida and it was it was mm-hmm. a, it was a hoot and uh you know but i think of you know what what the arena in toronto would be how tense it would be you know and again that kind of just walk on the razor's edge with you know feeling confident and Feeling despondent, or in Montreal, where you know there people be sitting back with their hands folded across their chest, waiting for the you know prove it to us, show us that you're worth it, you know, like all of that stuff. It's it is harder to pick it up. Uh, I think it's all out there, you know. And again, I'm, I'm sure that's you know there there is incredible an incredible amount of emotion in those two fan bases. But yeah, it's 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 that's one thing that you know we're not going to get back this spring. And I uh, I I, I got to say I regret it with Stephen Brunt, one of the things that lingers over the Canadians
0: in this series is that if they don't win and they shouldn't doesn't mean they won't, but they shouldn't what happens to the front office in the aftermath? Cause Mark Bergevin has been there for the better part of the decade. And I can't help, but think, Stephen, that the specter of Patrick Waugh and his stated desire through an agent on Twitter to return to the game as either a head coach or a general manager, or perhaps both that the specter yeah. of Patrick Waugh doesn't hang over the franchise. And look no further than Jerry Reinsdorf in Chicago, in his own mind, righting a wrong by bringing Tony La Russa back some 35 years later. Like Jeff Molson, that's a, that's a pretty prominent name in Canada. Molson owns the Montreal Canadiens. Like Patrick Waugh's been out of that organization for a quarter century now. I can see the appeal of maybe trying to mend, mend fences with that.
4: Yeah, I don't. I don't think Jeff Molson, like Jeff Molson, is not Jerry Reinsdorf, right? He's a different cat, and um, I, I think he, you know, Elliot, or Elliot Friedman reported that he and Mark Bergevin had a chat, you know, a couple of weeks ago, kind of about the future. I, I think Jeff Molson is still pretty loyal to Mark Um and I, you know, again, I, they, they they may part ways if this, um, if this series doesn't go well, or if you know, if if Jeff doesn't believe where in where this team is headed. Um, but I, I'm still kind of inclined to think Mark Bergeron going to be back. The thing with Patrick wise, you know, you're, you know, there's the, 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 the he is, he can be great coach, you know, he's, he's shown that his, his ability to coach he's, um, but boy, you're, there's, you get a lot of added stuff with that, right? You're, you know, it's going to turn into, and, it, you know, if you wanted to kind of just, you know, stoke the fan base and, uh, you know, uh, it's Getting in the back page of a tabloid is not the same as it used to be, you know, in newspapers. But if, you know, if you wanted to get the talk shows buzzing, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it'll be there. There will be drama if you bring back Patrick Waugh, and and maybe success. You know, who knows? But I again, I what I know of Jeff Molson, um, I'm not sure that's something he would relish. So uh, if this ends really badly, maybe. But you know, it's not like the Habs don't have, you know, they have some interesting young players coming through, right? There's there's still I think they still have a chance to do something in the carry Price window here. I don't think all is, all hope is lost here. You know, they had to fire a coach this year, which is never good. But, uh, you know, there is a coach, you know, whether they keep Ducharme or whether they go out and get somebody else, there is a coach to be confirmed for next year. Um, the, yeah, I, I think there are enough flickers of hope that my, I, I think Mark is going to, if my betting would be that Mark would be back, but you know, I, if, if this is awful, you know, if the Leafs roll them in four or five games and, you know, there's a sense that, again, maybe the fan base is in rebellion. Well, you know, you want to throw red meat to Montreal, Habs, Montreal Canadiens fans. Uh, that's Patrick Waugh. <laughs> that's how to do it. Mm-hmm. Um,
5: with the Leafs projected lines that just came out, any question marks for you? I, mean, I don't mean Scotty earlier. We're talking about Galchenyuk not in the lineup. And then you have the third line of Mikheyev, Nash, who hasn't played, and, and Kerfoot, who's a natural sentiment. And then you have... Kind of the experienced fourth line with Thornton and Spez on it. Where uh, where are you at with with this four group?
4: I think the you know I think what's amazing is the the number of options they have. You know that we're we're talking about a guy who's not going to play in Galcheny, mm-hmm. not going to play in game one. Um, and you know they have you know again organizationally the amount of depth that they have developed beyond the top six. Um, you know again I think that's that was the goal here right like. You, you know, you, the the first line is tremendous, and the second line is can be great. Um, but how do you build, you know, different qualities into the third and fourth lines? And I think we've seen, you know, throughout the season, depending on whatever combination they've used, that they, you know, they have built that depth. And they, like, I I don't know what Riley Nash is going to look like out there because we haven't seen him, but that's why they went out and got him. You know, they he's they got him for the playoffs. That's that you know he makes sense there. The green you know, the gray beard line is going to be fun. And, you know, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how those guys play in limited minutes. But, um, yeah, I just think there's kind of an embarrassment of riches here, to be honest. Um, like, it, and if things don't go swimmingly in game one, they have a whole bunch of ways they could change it up for game two. Stephen Brunt with us on leadoff
0: Sportsnet 590, the fan. Something to chew on uh, brought to you by Great Canadian Meat, the Blue Jays' bullpen. Um, and in some ways has been getting chewed up, Steven. It was a successful weekend against the Phillies. Uh, you take two out of three. Yesterday got far too adventurous, I think, for for anybody's uh, health, especially after the fact that they ran out to a massive, massive lead early in the game. But between Friday night's meltdown mm-hmm. uh, centered around, really, Tim Meza, uh, Pyamp yep. started it and then Meza, and then yesterday getting adventurous, I have some... And I take nothing away from where they are. They're 22 and 17. They're in a wildcard spot this morning. Nobody's complaining. But with an offensively powerful Red Sox team that can certainly do damage late in games, uh, with the Tampa Bay Rays coming in after that for four, I have some reservations about the state of the bullpen right now and the fact that it certainly feels like it's teetering a little bit, especially with Romano looking like something's up
4: yeah I don't I'm not too sure something's up arm wise because you know he threw 101 in that inning so I I think we have fatigue wise or something but I'm not again I'm not I don't think I got the huge arm you know alarm bells from that I, you know the, the 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 common element of those two iffy bullpen outings against Philly was Tim Mesa. you know in both of them right and that's you know you can you understand exactly why Charlie Montoyo went to him um you know because they they're a little short on lefties right now with Barrooki being down and uh but Maze's inability to command the strike zone to throw the slider for strikes you know he, it was incredibly frustrating to watch like there's nothing worse than watching relievers come in and walk guys you know like it's oh. just you, the, it's the worst right you've seen it a million oh. times if you're a manager or a pitching coach, you just want to pull your hair because there's nothing you can do. Right. There's nothing you can do. Um, you can go out and, you know, give the guy a stern talking to like Pete Walker did a couple of times. But if you know, if the guy you know, it's not like the guy doesn't want to throw strikes. Um, so he's the common element. The you know, the starting pitching, you know, they haven't had disastrous starts through the stretch. They've had mostly quality starts. You know, Anthony Kay only went four, but that was you know, that was a pitch counting. He pitched really well. Um, Ray gave him five plus yesterday, you know, they've been getting six. So, you know, the starting pitching's been fine. Um and you've obviously got a bullpen that is really depleted. It's amazing. You know, the next man up thing that's, you know, we're seeing guys that I've never heard of. You know, this, the like the, you know, uh, Beasley, the guy they just picked up, like it's all hands on deck, right? But I think Delise coming back, you know, presumably Delise is back tomorrow. Chatwood's pitching really well. You know, they didn't want to use him yesterday. Chatwood's been pitching really well. Cole, you know, again, a guy who was on the taxi squad has looked okay. You know, reinforcements are coming. The, the Boston lineup is really hard to pitch to. It is it'll it will wear it'll wear them out. I, I weigh more than Tampa. So, you know, that's that is going to be a test for the pitching staff because they just don't give you you don't get a lot of breathers in that lineup. And uh it's that's gonna be a bit of a meat grinder. Tampa less so. But you know what? They're they're five games over. Their best player, you know, the other you know, they're, the guy they went out and got, who was a game changer, is a free agent, has hardly played. Um, they've had a million pitching injuries, like everybody in baseball has, and you know there may be, you know, the, the the things may come back to earth a little bit in this next stretch, but you know I think you mostly got to be encouraged by you know where they are, how they've played. They've played way better defensively during this stretch. You know that's that's not even a, we're not talking about the left side of the infield anymore. Vladdy has been consistent um you know is you know, we haven't seen Guriel really get hot yet, but Grichik has been more cons- you know like i think I'm willing to say mm-hmm. you know that this is not just you know hot streak followed by cold streak, he has kind of leveled things in a good place, so um yeah, considering you know considering all the bodies that are down right now uh five games over at this point in the season is a is a triumph Well, i'll tell you stephen
0: i I I think I'll be a 90 year old man if I live that long and never fully understand sports fandom. But why was I yelling at my TV at Beasley yesterday when it was very clear Bryce Harper's right shoulder? I mean, the guy was bunting in his first at bat. Yeah, could like the guy couldn't catch the 95, 96. He 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 made some contact, but I'm like, dude, stop screwing around with the changeup. Throw the man a fastball. He can't hit it.
4: Yeah, you know, and I he know. finally no, he... he did. Yeah, I know it was. You know, I, although sometimes you know, like watching, I, you know, I felt the same thing watching Jordan Romano at a certain point. Like I say, "Why, why do you keep going back to the slider?" Yes. But then you heard. Then you heard after the game when they were talking about how, you know, how pitchers have to reset sometimes, right? And they go to a pitch that, you know, for them kind of kind of kind of reset their mechanics, and for him when he, you know, that's the slider, and that's why he kept going back to it and it kept shaking off the catcher and mm-hmm. saying, "No, no, I want to throw the slider." Was because he was trying to reset himself mechanically on a day when he just felt, you know, discombobulated. You could see it. Um, you know, you, like you're, you're yelling at the TV saying, you know, man, you throw a hundred, just go throw a hundred, right? Let's let him try and hit that. You got a lead. Go for it. But yeah, I, the Harper thing was, you know, like he goes up and as you said, you know, I shouldn't have been in the game, you know, obviously takes one for the team, bunts the first time, but man, he tried like you know those were three mighty cuts on those three swing and misses on those fastballs so i guess if you see Bryce Harper there it's kind of hard to talk yourself into the fact that he can't hit you know like i i get i get it to a degree and, and like think of what's going through Beasley's head you know like do you think he'd be closing out a game you know in a in a save situation uh 2 weeks ago for anybody so yeah i i'll forgive him a little bit it's you know i, I for a little <laughs> bit of stage fright sure. i uh, i get it i get it
5: with the Raptors season
4: finally over now,
5: what are your what are your takeaways from how it all ended, and and where they're going to go with in regards to Masai?
4: Yeah, I was listening to Smitty with you guys before I came on, you know, and I, um, I, I like again, I have no idea what's going to happen with Masai. I'll take what Smitty said. I think, and he's guessing too. Hmm. Um. But you know, again, I do think it's kind of odd that they let it get to this point you know that either Messiah decided he wanted to play it this way or that ownership allowed it to get to this point you know ideally you never play out the string with somebody you want to keep so you know again I can't imagine it's an issue of you know what they would give him to stay because I would think they would give him anything to stay you know it's just you know in turn like he's, he's earned it and B you know stability matters so but you know unless he's got other you know other plans for his life uh, I would think they would make every effort to keep them. You know, in terms of the season, like, you know, if it had played out, you know, in normal, well, who knows what it would have been like if it had played out in Toronto. You know, if the COVID thing hadn't hit them when it did, the way it did, and sent things off the rails, they're a playoff team, um, but they're not as good as the best teams in the East. You know, so mm-hmm. that so they're they're a playoff team who maybe wins around, and uh, you know, and and then then we're talking about how do you get to this the place where and we and again all of these none of those none of these other teams are we'll see who can actually persevere in the playoffs, but you know, Philadelphia, Milwaukee and Brooklyn with the big three. Like, you know, the Raptors are not on that tier this year. And they're in a tier somewhere down and I'm not sure they're in the same tier as some of the other teams. But I think the biggest question is is, you know, and again I think it's gonna be hard to answer it until we get back to some semblance of normal, but um, you know, you look at their core and there's a lot to like, but you know how close is that group what's the ceiling for that group without you know without a kawaii uh you know hail mary without a guy superstar landing in their midst what's the what is the what's the ceiling for Siaka Mananobi van vliet and whoever else you want to include in that group um and i think that you know this season didn't answer that question at all which is you know you, you can glass half full it or half empty it depending on who you are but I honestly, I, I, I'm not sure anybody can definitively say, you know, add a couple of complimentary pieces and those guys are going to contend. You know, they'll be in the playoffs. But, you know, the, the path to a championship in basketball generally almost always involves a guy who's a superstar. And, you know, is Pascal Siakam a superstar? Is he going to be one? It's been well, you know, a funny season, right?
0: Yeah. And, funny I, season. and I think, Stephen, the thing with Masai, one way or the other, this thing needs to resolve itself soon. Yeah. Right. Like this can't. This drama can't drag into June or July. For goodness' sake.
4: It shouldn't. You know. Like again, I'm not sure in whose interest it would be to drag it out. I, I, I like Although I'm not sure in whose interest it was to drag it out this far. Hmm. It's you know no one's you know it's not like we're getting a ton of information. You know Masai hasn't been particularly available this year uh, to 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 talk to anybody. And, Of course, you know it's all through Zoom. So it's not like anybody's going to have a quiet conversation with him. So, you know, it's a, it's a year where, you know, all of the most insider insider insidery folks covering the sport aren't really that inside. So we know we're all reading tea leaves here, Uh, but I, I, yeah, I get it. I I'm with you. Like you don't want it to drag on. It shouldn't drag on, you know, all things are, you know, all future decisions are predicated on who's going to be running, you know, whether he's going to be running the team or not.
0: We'll leave it there. Always good to chat. And uh, we'll do it next Monday on Victoria day. Can't wait absolutely see you guys bet steven brunt co-host of writer's block three to five eastern each and every weekday here on sportsnet 590 the fan so christopher steger is coming up ziggy do you think steger is yes steger now huh oh yeah friend of the show friend of the show (laughs) it's a friend of the show yeah friend of the Uh, show that's that's it do you think he's yes to goaltender interference on Sam Bennett or no to goaltender interference on Sam Bennett? Uh, he's
5: going to say interference on this one. I watch, I watch like like every time I see something in real time during a game, I'm like, it, it changes half the time, right? You watch a couple replays and then I find that it changes again the next day when you can kind of give it a second look, you know, sleep on it. I, I haven't changed my mind yet and I, I doubt he'll think that the, I doubt he'll think the call was, was, was wrong on the ice. So he's, he's going to say that, you know, Vaslovsky's pad did get moved. Um, I thought it was more Hornquist in front of the net, but it was kind of all Bennett there at, at the right side. It's just the hard part for those plays is that it's a loose puck. And when you're banging at a puck that's in the crease, well, of course, you're going to make contact with a goaltender. I just have issues if a guy holds his ground and is on the goal line. Um, you know, I feel like you can, it, there's going to be a time where a goaltender is going to get pushed in at some point here, and they're, they're, they are going to make, they, they are going to say that it's not goaltender interference because either the goaltender was moving, he was trying to play the puck. But if you look at the rules, you're not allowed to touch the goaltender and move him out of the way. Like it's very detailed on what's allowed and what's not. And I, I think he's going to, he, he'll go with me on Will this one.
0: Former Florida Panther, Christopher Stieg <laughs> go against his old, say team. yes or no to goaltender <laughs> interference. And we'll get into Jack Campbell starting goaltender for game one, Kerry Price, Brendan Gallagher going to play in the AHL tonight. Final tune up for them really first. And final tune-up for them as they get set to uh, join the Habs for Game 1 on Thursday. And a uh, broader look at the Leafs' lines. No Alex Galchenyuk, at least it looks that way in Game 1 for Toronto. What does Christopher Stieg think about all that? He joins us next. We're not wasting a breath here, Ziggy. We're getting right down to business with our next guest from the NHL on Sportsnet, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Christopher Stieg. Not even going to say hello. Not even going to say good morning. Although, hello and good morning to you, Christopher Stieg. Question is, yes or no, and if you don't mind, follow it up with an explanation, that was or was not goaltender interference On Sam Bennett the Florida Panthers on the power play in the first period
1: yes it was oh yeah it was (laughs) and the reason being is when you watch anything in slow motion it can trick the mind but in if you're actually watching it he pokes the pad Vasilevsky falls back and it goes in the net now was it like a vicious stab at the pad no it wasn't but in the rule book he pushed the pad with his stick Therefore, he couldn't put his pad in the way where it actually was, and the puck went in the net. So by definition and by what we saw, especially in real time, that was for sure the right call.
0: Okay, so are you bringing the fire hose if that exact same play or something very similar happens to, oh, I don't know, say the Maple Leafs in overtime against Montreal in a game later in the series? Because no, this city no. will, this city will stop, and not in a good way.
1: Yeah, I I agree. But this is where I've been going since day one: is just call the game. If there's a penalty, call the penalty. If there's a no goal, just call it no goal. Don't let the time of the game or whatever dictate the way you need to call it. That was no goal for me in an overtime. That's no goal for me at the start of a game. So, again. Just be consistent with your calls and do the right thing. And, yeah, there's obviously going to be an uprising, just like, you know, you look at Buffalo back in the day with Brett Hall. That technically, by definition, was not a goal. So Buffalo kind of got screwed there. But at at the end of the day, just call it. There's a consistency that needs to be there. Again, last night, there was a huge, horrible hit from behind. Horrible, right? And he got two Mm -hmm. minutes right in front of the ref. I don't care that it's at the last couple minutes of a uh, of a you know one goal hockey game in the Stanley Cup playoffs period one. If he's not suspended, like and I love Sam Bennett, he's a friend, but if he's not being considered for suspension because of that hit, like he could have killed him. Like that was a dangerous play, and he got two minutes. That's a five minute boarding, if anything, or a hit from behind. But just call it. That right there, for me, it was the best game of the year, hands down. Nothing's been even close to that. The hitting was clean. I love clean hitting. Uh, there's intensity. There's scrums. There's everything. But then that play right there shows that they, they're scared to make hard calls at hard times.
5: Yeah, I I told Scotty earlier that was that Lightning Panthers game was the best of the year. So I, I'm I'm trying to think of the last game I saw even close to that. Uh, I guess the only thing different would have been if it could have gone to overtime, right? But three of the first four games did go to overtime. What, Which one of the series that have started so far um, has intrigued you the most, I guess, where you weren't kind of expecting much and then you're like, okay, um, you know, it, Boston, Washington, one of them are, are, look a little bit better than I expected. Was there any game or any t- any team so far that you've seen that, has kind of exceeded your expectations?
1: Well, at, at the start of the season, I I thought Washington was going to be really good because of uh, Laviolette. Laviolette's that coach who can come in in a one- to three-year span and really squeeze the juice out of your team, and that's kind of what I think Washington's window is. So watching them play down the stretch, it didn't really look like they cared. You know, they are just kind of going through the motions. You'd hear other guys speak about, do they want it bad enough? Um, and, and these guys... If you want it bad enough, these top players, they can flip a switch. Not many can, but they can. And I think you've seen it against Boston is Washington flipped the switch and they dominated that game. They really dominated that whole game. I know it went to overtime, but just the way they carried it, the, way, the amount of puck possession they had, the amount of grade A chances, Washington really carried it. And that was without Kuznetsov. Now, is Kuznetsov been on COVID protocol all year? I feel, I feel like, like, like a it's, a, it's like,
5: times. yeah, it's a couple times. And it's, it's not like he just was in protocol where, you know, the guide says, Oh, I've been at home the whole time. Like they're partying, in the, not partying in the room. They were hanging out in the hotel and then apparently out. So it's, I, I think when you do go in protocol, they kind of break down where you've been. And okay. I'm guessing they don't, it, there've been some questionable instances with him, but, it's it's kind of t- you don't hear a lot this is all you know i'm hearing rumors right this isn't actually these aren't actual facts or the league hasn't issued a statement but yeah it kind of feels like that right and then he got suspended because um you know they're late to a meeting but they, they all it's, it's been crazy there
1: it is man and there's yeah you got wilson like stuff swirling around but they came out and, and they really, you know, harness their focus in a real positive direction that game. And again, I know it was overtime, but to me, they dominated that match. They're bigger. They're more skilled. Uh, they can control the puck better. Like that Ovechkin, Mantha, and Backstrom line, like think about playing against that line with the size, the skill, the compete, everything there. And if you could get Kuznetsov, I don't know, wrangled up somehow and then <laughs> harnessed in himself, I guess, and put on the second line, think about that slots eller down that team is super deep and that would be a really really hard team to play against and they're well coached now the goaltending is a huge factor there uh, i don't know what's going to happen there but they have three or four guys that can play with copley and samson too so i'm really interested to see how washington does
0: with Christopher for if you're pittsburgh are you a little tight this morning given the performance of tristan jerry
1: yes yes uh for sure um I didn't like this matchup for Pittsburgh at the start just because they play that real fast, uh, quick up type of hockey. So when they D get the puck, there's – You barely see a D-to-D. It's basically just throw it up the wall, get it to a uh, winger that's posted, get it to the guy in the middle or sling it cross ice. There's no going back. With the puck, it's all go, go, go. And I love that way. That's how they've won two Stanley Cups. It's more exciting. But when you're playing this Islanders team who's basically lulling you to sleep half the time, they're sitting back in the 1-3-1 or they're way back in a deep you know, neutral zone, 1-2-2, depends what they're playing at the moment. But they're really just waiting for those transition plays and it kind of feeds into the way uh, the Islanders like to play. And, and for me, Pittsburgh can't get frustrated with that. You've seen a little bit of that. You've seen a little bit of, you know, Jari not playing well. So I, I don't like the matchup. I still think Pitt can win, especially if Malkin gets back in, which it sounds like he might, but just the way the two styles kind of go against each other. I, I didn't like this matchup for Pittsburgh uh, I hope they win for the sake of hockey. I know I have a, some really good friends on the Islanders, but they are tough to watch sometimes just because of how boring it is.
5: So as the Leafs here get set to ramp up against the Canadians, um, the lines just came out. We've kind of been discussing those all morning. I'm not sure if you've had a if you've had a chance to see them, but Gilchenyuk's kind of the one that that sticks out to me. Not in the lineup, and then Thornton and Spezza. On the fourth line, um, you have the Hyman, Matthews, Marner, Foligno, Tavares, Nylander, Mikheyev, Nash, Kerfoot. Um, any surprises there for you? And and how do you think, uh, you know, how do you like the, I guess, those combos heading into game One.
1: I like these lines. I really do. I think Hyman can kind of be that player now. If you want to put Hyman down the lineup to strengthen that third line with Mikhaev, and now you can kind of move Galchenyuk and Solino. I know he's out of the lineup, Galchenyuk, currently at the moment, but you can even put Angval. You know, these guys are, should be interchangeable all playoffs, especially up and down that left side. Your right side's pretty stable, but that left side, it should be whoever's going, who's ever playing at the top of their game. They're playing with the top horses, and the rest of the guys are rounding out the lineup. So I, I really like their lineup right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what Nash does. I've played with Nash. I feel, and I've said he's their X factor. And that's a lot of pressure on a guy who hasn't played in six to seven weeks. And he's coming into the playoffs, but I, they're going to have to really watch his minutes, especially at the start. But what Nash does is he's a real high hockey, a hockey IQ player. He makes a lot of real subtle plays throughout the game, that add up to bigger plays. He can take face offs. He's a right hand face off, which obviously Matthews and Tavares aren't. And that for me is going to help better dictate matchups throughout the game because I don't like Tavares going against other top lines defensively, uh, especially getting the puck up the ice offensively. Matthews obviously skates a lot better, who can do it, and he can play against the top line. So I'd like to see Tavares' line sheltered a little bit more throughout the playoffs. And I think Nash can do that, which which should in turn help the offense and help better placement on and face-offs all over the ice for the Tavares line. So I like the lines at the start, but again, whoever's going, Engvall, Galchenyuk, Thornton, Kerfoot, Foligno, Hyman, any of those six, uh, they're all interchangeable and whoever's going plays. And if they're not, don't feel bad about sitting them. Just go with who's going and that's all that matters.
0: What do you expect to see from Montreal? I'll give you the old cliche question in the first 10 minutes of the first period Thursday
1: night? They're going to come out and try to run these guys right through the building, right? Um, what's going on with uh, Weber?
0: Well, yeah, that's that's a good question, right? I mean, Price and Gallagher are playing tonight. I think Price is getting a half a game with the Laval Rocket. Brendan Gallagher is going to play uh, for Laval as well, and, and they'll be available. So the question is, yeah, Shea Weber, game one Thursday. Can he go?
1: Yeah. And that kind of interests me. Uh, what's going to happen with Shea, but I mean, you look at their back end with Edmondson, Sherratt, you know, Merrill, uh, even if Shea's back and then you kind of look up and down their lineup with through Anderson and these guys and Gallagher, they're going to try to run them through the boards. They're going to try to physically assert dominance, especially in the first 10 minutes of the game. It's really going to be how Toronto handles that pressure and and, and the way they play. Now, I I want to see Toronto play a little bit like Pittsburgh, you know, focus on getting the puck going north, get it in their forwards' hands and go uh, create ozone opportunities. That's something they've never done in the past uh, playoffs or seasons. They were more focused on bringing the puck back for possession rather than going forward with it. That's the bit of subtlety that that Tampa Bay added to their game, more of attacking and, and playing in zone rather than puck possession because in the playoffs, These teams, as Ziggy knows, you have just that much more energy to forecheck, and if teams are going to rag the puck, you're going to forecheck them harder, and it's going to put you in bad situations. So I just look for Toronto to play north because of the pressure, the oncoming, uh, you know, hitting and assault that Montreal is going to want to do, especially the early 10 minutes of games. Um, But get the puck going north, get it in, um, sustain ozone, and really try to wear the Montreal Canadiens down. Now, Montreal, again... They're not that good. Uh, they can win, especially because the house is haunted at the Bell Centre. I, I mean, I don't know. It's like The ghosts are always swirling around there, and you never know what Montreal can do. Uh, so I feel like they're a dangerous team uh, for anyone. They're not a good enough team to win by any means. But it's about how Toronto dictates the pace of the game. They can't sit back. they got to go at them. And they got to attack and play in those zone. Otherwise, they're just going to take on you know wave after wave uh, of checking all game.
0: And Dominic Ducharme, the head coach of the Habs, says he is very confident that Shea yeah, Will will fine play game one. Yeah,
5: I, I think they're I think they're better built for the playoffs. The, the, the big thing for me is their top two centermen in uh, Suzuki and Kachanemi. If if they can generate any kind of offense, it, it, that's that's one of the big three for me with the Canadians and just two young guys down the middle that, you know, really tapered off towards the end of the season. If, if they're not generating anything, uh, the Canadians, I I don't care how good, like they're going to have to win one, nothing every night. And that's just, uh, you know, you you might have the odd game like that, but it's not going to happen every single night. You're going to have to put up three, four goals, some games. And if those two guys aren't, producing they're not you know you don't you don't see any offense out of them this this forward group it's i i don't know which team can win without your top two centermen doing anything
1: right yeah and i don't think crockham is in the lineup right now last yeah. time i looked he was on the fifth line but I, I i'm fully not even sold on him first off being a centerman mm-hmm. uh, he can do it like like I mean, I could play center. I was kind of a spot filler, but I wasn't an every day. As you know, it, it's a much different playing center every single day and being relied on every single shift face-off rather than just doing it for five, ten games at a time. So I, I'm interested to see what happens with I mean, can, you know if he can get into the lineup or if he can yeah. stay in as a winger because you know, they have stall there right now. But, but you're right in the fact that they're going to need that center ice uh, to hold true. Uh, I'm interested to see Gallagher. You know, we looked at um, Kucherov last night. He comes back after missing a season or a whole season, and he dominates. But Kucherov doesn't work his way around the ice. Kucherov thinks his way around the ice, right? He's really dirty. Um, he anticipates. He cheats for offense, obviously, like all great players do. Um, but he's not focused on, you know, grinding and hitting and working. So I'm interested to see how Gallagher's ice time's handled and how he can play because he really relies on fitness to be at the top of his game where a guy like Kucherov doesn't. So Gallagher could be that X factor. Just really, re- It's just really going to be about where he is with his fitness level and, and how he finds the flow of the game.
0: All right. We'll get you out of here, but you did it to yourself, Chris. Andrew from Barry is asking, can you please do your Phil Kessel imitation?
1: All right, guys. Have a great day great day. Perfect
0: way to end it. Christopher <laughs> Stieg of the NHL on Sportsnet. That was pretty yeah. good, eh? <laughs> not, uh, not,
5: was, not bad. Oh, uh, love it.
0: Uh, Thanks, awesome. Chris. Two-time Stanley Cup champ, NHL on Sportsnet, Christopher Stieg. Yeah.
5: Yeah, no, he's right. I mean, I just, I, I don't know who else they play down the middle. I, I think Stalls was expected to do more with the Canadians and just they're so light down the middle right now. I who else plays like that's the thing. They, there is no one else. Yeah, just
0: let's let's just hope Eric Stahl doesn't wake up at the wrong time <laughs> from a Leafs fans perspective. Or
5: Cott Kanyemi yeah. comes in and <laughs> oh, he they lighting it up, and oh. I'm like, he
0: wasn't even. He, Remember the looks he, on the faces of the fans
5: when they took Cott Kanyemi. Uh. Well, here's the here's the crazy part is that like Caulfield and Cott Kanyemi, there was talk last week about them not being it, but. who... Like, if I think of who's going to score for the Canadians, those are the first three names that come to mind. We're back at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning. Kevin Barker
0: for the full half hour at 7.30. Plenty of Leafs Habs talk. Good shows next. It's sunny. It's warm. Have a great Monday.
1: All right, guys. Have a great day. Great day.